This is Tom from Third Rail Design Lab. And Chris from Deeply Dapper. Is that a dog snoring in the background? Or... There are, <laughs> we have, are we have other problems. snoring in the background, actually. <laughs> there do, do is nothing them... we can do about that. <laughs> do either of them look like a Kraken? Uh, they're together. They look like a Kraken in, uh, yes, sure. Okay. Close enough. Release the Kraken. Welcome to the future. Life is good, but it can be better. Hey, Chris, it's been a, a long time since I talked to you. I think it uh, has been. I mean, we text like basically daily, but That's as true. far as podcasts, yes. <laughs> and and one of us tweets the other. This is also true. The, yeah, I still haven't been able to figure out why I can only respond to certain people on the twit, but I also don't use it very often, so I don't care that much. <laughs> I feel like it knows something. It knows something that it doesn't let you respond to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it we don't we we don't want any evidence that you've seen the things he sends you, just in case. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, that's funny. So so how you been doing? Are you uh, you're mostly recovered from your uh, black lung? Mostly, yeah. I've been sick for days and days. It seems like it's been over a week and a half now that I've been sick, and it just won't go away. And like, like even today, like my head's all stuffy and I can't breathe. It's just, it's, it's been a weird season and I don't like it, sir. Now, do you think that that was con crud catching up with you or do you think it was just what happens it's when possible. It, you don't have it heat? It could have been, house? yeah, I, I think between, I've been sleeping real great lately. And I think between that and Reno, mm-hmm. I think I picked up something that I'm just dragging through. That's not uncommon for Nevada, isn't it? Usually yeah, it's a sexu- yeah. sexually transmitted disease. That you would get but an STD in your so lungs doesn't sound good. There too. Yeah. Yeah, oh. I don't I oh, it's awful. And so like any time that we'd be anywhere that was in indoor building that was anywhere close to a casino, everything smelled like cigarette smoke. And I've still yet to understand that. I hate that. It's it's like it's it's glued to all the surfaces in that town. Right? Oh yeah. Yeah, it's awful. Um, and uh, and so, presumably, you're not doing anything more this this year. Do you have we're we're recording this session at the beginning of December, and I'm wondering if you have any <laughs> other like little one day shows or something lined up before the uh, end of the year. No, I was done? supposed to do one um, this weekend, actually yesterday, but we ended up canceling it because of sick dogs and overwhelmed responsibilities and whatnot so so we ended up canceling that show and are basically hunkering down for the season i assume that's the same there despite the fact that you're in sunny california where everything is beautiful all the time (laughs) you say that uh (laughs) our last session which you have not heard because it was spoilery for you um was (laughs) was uh begin again blake simmons and i and the first thing we did was check to see if either of us had power because um, <laughs> this thing that's been going on over here, we've talked about it before, but our utility commission in uh, California has gone bankrupt because of too many um, uh, life, life-shattering life fires from them not maintaining their equipment. And so 
they went bankrupt and negotiated something with the courts so that they should theoretically do some repair work on their lines and clear brush. Instead, what they did was paid their executives and cooked up a <laughs> plan. They ginned up something that you'll appreciate. Um, in in advance of any potential fire risk, they shut the power off <laughs> for our benefit. <laughs> isn't, isn't that a fun dodge? <laughs> so ridiculous. <laughs> so it's just crazy to me, man. Yeah, so we went through a series of, of uh, power outages um, uh, in the last couple of recordings. We talked about it. But most recently, uh, we've been having storms. And the thing that someone else – actually, my wife mentioned this earlier today. She said that the thing about California is that whatever we have, uh, it's either – it's always too much. So if it's hot, it's too <laughs> hot. If it rains, we get too much rain. Then we have drought. Then we have flooding. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm pretty sure there are biblical references to what happens in lands of sin like California, and I think this is part of that. I'm not sure, but uh, it's been it, it's, it's all been raining. It's all to do with the the machinations of the movie studios or something like that, right? Uh, oh, oh, totally. And we've had six or seven days of of straight rain. A lot of it with gale force winds, and um, Ooh, it's given yeah. me opportunities to test the uh, rain resistant integrity of my bike shed I built. Uh, <laughs> Which apparently is uh, has more of it than my garage does because my my garage had a lake in it this morning. Oh my! Uh, yeah, but uh, and also the kids tried to murder each other because it's too long, you know, trapped in a room. And then yeah. uh, my son my son was sick, and so he was home a couple extra days, and you know it's just too much. It's too much. Yeah, yeah, it's much too much, baby. But I feel that was like a heat miser reference. Yeah, I understand. So here's here's my question <laughs> for you: Are you gonna are you prepared for the first segment of our recording? Uh, some some call it the uh, sucking the monkey segment. Tom, I'm as prepared as I ever am. <laughs> oh, Mr. Pibbs again, eh? <laughs> no, it's the other thing I'm always drinking. Ecto cooler. It's wassail, baby. <laughs> oh, that's right. You only drink wassail. Vassal? Weissel? What is it again? Okay. I only drink so, Vaseline during the winter, yes. <laughs> I, f- I feel like for the Patreon, it should just be a long remix of me trying to tell tell you about Star Wars and you telling me about Russell. <laughs> and then one day, each of us will sample the opposite, and yeah. it will be an amazing day. It, cats and dogs will live together, and <laughs> we'll come together in true harmony for the first time ever. Let's, let's, let's not take... Get, too ahead of ourselves with our optimisms but um that's interesting and so you mix the wassail with ecto cooler is that what you said no man but i got brandy in it so that's sort of the same thing i, I do yeah i can brandy is right. delicious in wassail it is uh, it is very approved sir not that you'll ever know uh, <laughs> i've sent you I've, the recipe have you made it no of course not i, I looked at it um, it's kid friendly it's mom well, approved it yeah. can fit on a 1980s commercial, and okay. what happens? You you ignore it and make your own adult beverages and leave the children tilling each other while the <laughs> rain falls outside. My my son this morning, yeah, this evening actually he was crying and we were out and he's like I need water and I said well Isn't your we son get to... like 13 now uh, so he's like Why I need he water cry so much for a 13 year old. <laughs> Well, take. I keep sending them to the house of pain. <laughs> Could have something. To oh, do okay, with it. that's fair. 
<laughs> so he, he was begging for water. And I said, well, when we get back to the truck, you can, because I put water bottles in the truck like an Uber. And uh, he's <laughs> like, but I'm so, I'm, de- I'm, I'm, I'm so thirsty. I can't. And I said, it's your job to hydrate, dude, all, all day. <laughs> and he's like, all I drank was soda. And I'm like, all right, well, first of all, you're not supposed to have soda. So what are you talking about? And second of all, <laughs> that's your excuse. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I am literally blown away at how uncanny your impression of your son is he sounds exactly <laughs> like that only slightly basier it's just it's so good slightly more basic is that what you say <laughs> yes he's a basic basier <laughs> basier but uh i'm having a delicious gin and tonic uh oh that's and... pretty traditional for you well you know i haven't had i mean i'm sure you use some nonsense liquor with it but <laughs> <laughs> or you added what? like spicy chili peppers to the rim or something (laughs) i haven't really done that drinking it from an inverted butt plug or some nonsense that's really that's really inappropriate i don't do that that's what the kids do today but um what yeah it's (laughs) don't buy them that that? for christmas (laughs) not my kids oh that that butt chugging (laughs) situation is horrible and the the fact is it things have gotten so much worse for what kids are abusing that they don't even talk about butt chugging anymore that came and went like that's that's tame now that's what they do at bible study that makes sense that that's actually in the bible if i remember correctly which i don't (laughs) yeah something about you 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 spill your seed on a log and then you have to butt chug 40 stones or something like that yeah Yeah. and and sacrifice a goat or something along those lines or make the the goat butt chug that would be interesting and then i bet you it would be more delicious when you cook it Later. Is that where Goatsy came from? <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. It's so, been a while, Tom. I've missed you. <laughs> the explicit labels back on the podcast. Um, <laughs> all right, man. Well, so, okay. So I'm, I'm having a gin and tonic, and you're having your, your mysterious high labor concoction, similar to all the things you do that are high labor for their reward. It's okay. like six things in a crock pot for two hours and then add brandy. <laughs> so that's... That is exactly my recipe for uh, corned beef and cabbage. <laughs> I I would eat that. <laughs> Except I I know for a fact that you just have to constantly throw everything out of your freezer constantly, so because they're so shutting the power off on you. <laughs> we are we're we're super we're super into the fact that we don't have a lot. We didn't like restock. We just got a, a modest amount of stuff, so you kind of there's less waste and less. Mm-hmm. Um, Less of that sort of frustration of not being able to see what's in your fridge and your freezer. So it's been refreshing. Also refreshing is yeah, that I, I, have a, see that. I have a giant generator in the side yard now. So we're good. Ooh. Yeah. Is it pedal powered? It's not. It should. You know, I almost had the thing on the back of one of my bikes <laughs> that made that spun the uh, blender for margaritas. But then because oh, I, I like them on the rocks. So didn't, <laughs> you know, Dude, uh, there was else. one of those uh, generator things at one of the conventions I went to out in the hallway along the outside of the convention hall. There were four of these little pedal powered like charge your phone stations it was very <laughs> amusing to see people in cosplay sitting in these chairs pedaling furiously so they could continue their live video as they're at the convention <laughs> cosplay it's pretty impressive. i'm pretty sure pretty sure that that was relegated to you know like upskirt cosplay girls and oh it'll and, be and, someone's fetish yeah. by the end of the year yeah, no doubt absolutely absolutely <laughs> we, we don't endorse that at robot crack just you know just to be clear no sir that's icky 
and exercise is also icky. Only only downskirt, <laughs> only downskirt. Uh, yes. Um, pedal pedal charging. So Chris, uh, <laughs> it's an here's inverted bike. Yeah. So if uh, you know what, uh, that's not that's not entirely uh, unheard of in the history of pedal powered uh, mechanical devices. But here here's the thing: if I lose the power again and I have to run my podcasting stuff off the generator. It's going to sound exactly the same as it always does with the traffic out front of my garage door. So you won't even know. <laughs> it's it's surprisingly quiet out there tonight. Has the yeah, rapture it, taken hold? I think it might have. No it's, one in it, Idaho left, so it's possible. <laughs> it's odd. Well, the the washer stopped, so that's helpful. Um, <laughs> Is it you, a rapture you, washer? <laughs> Is that why it has a delicate white section? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 that's good. That's real good. Uh, that's, you're that's just, just going to edit that out anyway. I knew that as soon as I said the joke, but <laughs> I'm leaving it in. Delicate whites. That is so perfect in every way. Uh, you know, that reminds me that I still haven't caught up on Preacher because I can't find it. Yeah, it's Maybe hard need to, to track down. I think it's on bike. Hulu now, actually. No, but I think it's not <clears throat> current or something. Well, anyway, okay. Mm. So unacceptable. Uh, I was the going. I was going the other direction, which was that you put, you shove the jackass into the washer, and then if you open the door at the end of the cycle and they're gone, then you know that they ascended. <laughs> and if they're still there and drowned, then they didn't, and they deserved it. That's just like I, how you test witches, so that sounds I, accurate. It, it totally is. <laughs> well, you, sir, had proposed that for our Red Sky Roundup, our news segment, that we should uh, isolate our interest to trailers, as there have been so many of interest recently. There have been some interesting ones, yeah. Tell me what you have seen and what you would like to Let's talk see. about. Let's um, see. I'll do the, the quick rundown, and then we can pick at them. Um, what okay. I've seen, and I may have missed some... Um, I just watched the new Wonder Woman one today. Uh, there's the new Bond trailer. There's Black Widow. Uh, what else am I missing here? There was something we were going to talk about earlier, and we didn't. But I don't recall what now. That's a long Maybe list. that's it. <laughs> all right. Maybe it's right. those three. <laughs> well, okay. So here's the thing. Because I have a family and responsibilities, I've seen neither... Bond nor Wonder Woman. Each of them is two minutes long. Tom, come on. I've I've been I've been out I've been uh, out and also about, so I haven't had a chance to see either of those. You are welcome to discuss them, and I will do what you usually do to me, which is I'll say, uh huh. (laughs) Or Tom, we could just stop recording for four minutes, and you could watch the two of them. We'd never do that. That's an outrage. Still fits. I didn't pause or anything to watch trailers, but I have this innate ability to predict what we'll talk about. Uh, it, w- with regards to those trailers, I feel like I've got my finger on the pulse of what was happening. And so just go ahead. I'm sure I think I'll be you able can, to catch up. You can imagine it in your head. I, I will paint a vivid picture for you through mental telepathy and... It'll be just like you sat and watched it in the last eight minutes or so. It'll be amazing. Vivid is an appropriate term. <laughs> <laughs> All right, which which one do you want to talk about first? Uh, I don't know. Let's let's talk about Black Widow. Okay, that's the one my brother's most excited about. It was interesting to actually see it after so long, uh, waiting for it, and then also all the 
you know, the, the guesswork about what it was probably going to hold um, and seeing as so much of it apparently being what we thought it would be. But then the, the twist of the kinds of characters they brought in that I wasn't expecting. Um, I don't know. What did you think? I liked it. I, I think uh, casting is pretty friggin' amazing right there. Like, I don't like I don't like Pew Pew, the uh, the Yelena yeah. I'm not a huge widow. fan of her. I've never really liked her that much, but yeah. Uh, Rachel Weisz and oh, David yeah. Harbour are oh totally. <laughs> oh, and and, the, and we talked about this offline, but the uh, online offline. But we talked about how yes. uh, har- choosing to make Harbour um, kind of lean into the dad the dad bod thing even more <laughs> like he's yeah he's quite heavy but like the idea of like uh the incredible style uh you know squeezing into the old uniform thing fantastic yeah, that was great fantastic and it gives him the chance to have the big ridiculous beard uh in the costume mm-hmm. which was great oh yeah yeah and it's it's got a gr- uh like a really it's got a good look to it like it I, I really like the way the movie looks so yeah. far yeah yeah i I didn't need her hurling through flotsam in the air and 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 you know the yeah I agree thing and landing on the on the knee shattering <laughs> superhero. She does pose. look amazing in that white outfit though. <laughs> does I didn't think that was going to oh, work man. at all. I didn't yeah. either. I was yeah. really hesitant about that, and then she looked spot on, perfect. <laughs> uh, another another um, another interesting uh, will they or won't they as far as. Uh, taskmaster and whether you know like it seems like it's going to be what rachel vice says taskmaster and that's mm-hmm. going to be the twist but then i almost wonder if there's going to be a like that's they're going to double twist on us and it's going to be you know i don't know someone else yeah i'm think? curious about that i uh, well and was that was that crossbones they were showing or was that what taskmaster is going to no, look like in this that, no that's taskmaster yeah oh yeah. interesting yeah um hmm. they you know there's a bow and then, you know, we saw that that footage of him on a tank from like spoil, like uh, you know, sneak sneak shots from them filming. But in this, you see that him, uh, he or she using the bow, and then also in another scene with a where uh, they're sparring with Red Guardian, uh, you could see Taskmaster's version of Captain America's shield in the background stuck into the ground. So yeah, um, yeah, they're definitely playing up. I really hope they they do lean all the way into it and make it that he is he or she has mentally mapped all of the members of the Avengers and just, they go that route right out of the comics. Cause that, I think it'd be great. I yeah, mean, I, I agree. I, I think imagining be really cool. the idea, because you know, in the comics, everybody has fought everybody a million times, but I like the idea that the spy or the main sort of, uh, assassin spy on the Avengers would be forced to fight all of the Avengers. It's sort of their version of, uh, you know, Batman taking out Justice League in that story, right? I think that's interesting. Yeah. She has to fight all the Avengers, and it's him, right? Or her. Or him and her. I don't know what it is. But I just want to yeah, watch I'm Guardian sure. the whole time. I just yeah, want to watch same. Guardian the yeah. whole time. Like, I would just watch a Russian sitcom of him and Rachel Weisz <laughs> hanging out in a shabby apartment bickering. Plus. <laughs> I'm totally plus. down with that. <laughs> all I've really ever like wanted love. out of... Yeah, all I really ever wanted was more Winter Soldier era... Uh, better than born, su- super spy stuff, and it looks like we're gonna get that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm I'm, I'm excited. Sold. I liked it. Yeah. Uh, do you think? I'm pretty sure that we're gonna see 
a number of other Avengers back that they haven't talked about. I'm positive Iron Man's going to be back. Tony Stark. I think that's going to happen in, at some point. In that particular movie? Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. could see that. I it's It's such a kind of weird thing the way they've done that just because it's clearly a super prequel because yeah thunderbolt's super young looking in it because they've got to de-age at least six people in an avengers movie now sure science <laughs> well i think it's I think part it's, of their I agreement think, with disney that's right i think um my sense is that you've got two or three timelines going on there right like i think that the present day of the movie is after age of ultron and then the main oh, okay. flashbacks and then the main flashbacks are her being brought in from working for the for the for the widow program and then the third tier of flashbacks are the are the training stuff when she was younger mm, because i think okay. i think that's the th- i think that's the thunderbolt ross stuff because there's a there's like a a truck in the background that's got hungarian on it and there's a bunch of uh um with all the soldiers and stuff that are surrounding someone in that scene when he comes out, I think it's, I think it's them, uh, you know, interacting with her, getting her in what way. Or, okay. I don't know. Yeah. So <laughs> I give it two red tentacles up. Uh, Indeed, Widow, me as well. I pretty much was anyway. It's not like they could have done anything that would <laughs> yeah. sadden, sadden me, but. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, I, I'm a hundred percent down with that. Uh, the bond. What did you think of that? I watched both of those the same day and they, they were very different comparisons. Yes. Uh, he looks good. Mm. (laughs) I, I think, yes, I think Rami Malek is an interesting choice for the villain, but I'm pretty sold on that. Well, okay. So I love modern bond and I despise Mm -hmm. most other bond and, Mm -hmm. And and I really do like him as Bond. So the idea that he came back for one more and the fact that they would have to stage it in the plot, that there'd have to be a reason to bring him out of retirement, um, you know, that intrigued me because they've kind of ran mm-hmm. the gamut of reasons to piss him off in uh, the last one. So yes. <laughs> um, the idea the idea that Jeffrey Wright's CIA character would bring him, would be the one to reach out to him is interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. I like Bond movies for their... Lot, they're uh, in the field filming as opposed to fake sets and stuff. So I see yes. a lot of I see a lot of that and a lot of practical effects, which looks great. Um, you get a nice you get a nice look at a at an Aston Martin or no, or is it a Maserati now? I don't know what it is, but with the with the guns, I have no and the, idea. Yeah, the guns and the headlamps and you know all that stuff that you associate with sort of the the peak era Bond that you you know that's kind of cool. As he's drifting in circles, blasting everybody. That's that's fine. Yeah, I thought that was neat. I like that. I'm super into um I'm super into the fact that there's another double O agent. They didn't specify what her her uh her number is. And I was curious. No. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Um But uh but but I like her. I like that actress a lot. And um so yeah, I don't know. I don't know, know I mean, if I, I know her from anywhere, but I like what I see of her. So, uh, she. Let's see. So, what do I know her from? Okay, so I know her from Widow. Widows. Willow. I think that's what I. Willow. Willow. She Willow would have made. Good? 
so I saw Willow since we last podcasted, by the way, and oh, I am really? ready to talk about that at some point. Yes. <laughs> I assume making... it's on your top of 2019. <laughs> I'm making the effort to see some of these movies um, just to confirm for myself <laughs> that um, they are as problematic as they would have been better seen back in the day. <laughs> exactly. Um, so she, I could have sworn she was in Widows, but I guess not. Well, so I think her main thing is uh, in Captain Marvel. She was Maria Rambo. Oh, I haven't seen that still. What? That's, that's dude, that's on my, okay, let me list. So we are doing <laughs> our top 2019 thing tonight. And I brought up seven different lists of movies. I looked at hundreds of movies and every one that came up that I was like, oh, I want to see that. Oh, I want to see that. Oh, I want to see that. I saw like nothing this last year. I missed Spider-Man. <laughs> I missed X-Men. I missed Captain Marvel. I didn't see Shazam. I haven't seen Glass. I haven't seen Godzilla or Alita or Crawl or... I mean, it's just ridiculous, the list of movies I haven't seen this year. <laughs> Wait, isn't Kroll the one with the throwing star that was made of bone, like finger bones and had big blades on it? Uh, I don't know. I think that's Kroll that oh, you're I thinking see. of. Kroll yeah. is a, a horror movie with an alligator in a flooded t- city, which looks kind of interesting. Almost it's very same. similar. I'm sure there's a throwing star of some sort, <laughs> but... <laughs> So the thing about No Time to Die, I like the sets. I like the um, the general framework of of a Bond movie that mm-hmm. of this era of Bond movies. It's not him, you know, deep cover being sexy, fooling people as much as betrayal and urgent spy stuff. And I like mm-hmm. it just fine. It looks great. There's lots of glaring um, with pursed lips. Oh yes, um, I like that. Um, I. <laughs> I like that uh, Blofeld, Blofeld has like he's got a missing eye. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, <laughs> did, did that he was probably a... he probably just showed up on set like that. Yeah, but did didn't he have the eye patch in the last movie, like his classic eye patch? I could, or maybe he didn't to tell you. It's oh, I really didn't. have enjoyed the movies, but I could not even begin to tell you. I I feel like he's quit four times, yeah, and yeah, they've sure. killed Q at least three times. So that's true. That's really accurate. Did. <laughs> they they blew up Parliament. They blew up MI6. Uh, yeah, yeah. But so, no, actually, now that I think about it, I think in the last movie, and I could be wrong, don't write in, um, I think he looked normal. <laughs> but the the classic Blofeld from the 70s, 60s, and 70s had the eye patch. So here he or is with his missing eye. at least as normal as he looks anyway. Sure, sure. <laughs> so, but, I, but like you said about Remy Malik, when they said that he was going to be the villain, or the, you know, whatever, the main feature villain, I was excited because mm-hmm. I wondered what they were going to do to make a more diminutive i.e. normal human shaped person well, it look appears interesting. they made him uh phantom of the opera arse face <laughs> totally and it looks rad as hell <laughs> although there's this the only scene you see him actually like his his un, his uh his plain face open mm-hmm. he doesn't have those scars so obviously there's a little bit of a a jump there between the two but yeah it, he looked great that's funny fan yeah. of the opera arse face that's exactly right <laughs> um maybe that's also, a silicone part of the mask that he just slaps on when he puts the rest on there were um there there are th- yeah there are three uh, other elements of of this movie that ex- excite me um in no particular order it's uh directed by carrie uh fukunaga who did some oh. of the best true detective stuff so that's exciting yeah um and also, and he has a writing credit too. But also, you know, uh, Phoebe Waller Bridge did a lot of the uh, the script work on this, and famously so. And I think that she has a lot to do with why we have that female double O kicking ass in this. Um, nice. 
which is I think she the one that created rad. Fleabag. Yes, yes. Okay. And voice and voice Lando's uh, sex robot. Oh, okay. Right on. I like her. Yeah. Um, the other the other third thing, I guess, um, uh, if you know me at all, <laughs> Ana de Armas, who played um, Joy in Blade Runner twenty forty nine, is Paloma, that brunette uh, spy doing all the high kicks and hair flips and shooty oh, shooty. Oh, okay, and, man. And you know, she I'm, looks different I'm, in every single yeah, movie right, to me. Totally, like she I totally legitimately does. don't recognize her. Like. It's so weird. <laughs> in in these two uh, trailers that I didn't just pause and watch, I felt like there was like it was a cavalcade of uh, amazing brunettes because there was two in this one, and then uh, <laughs> and then well two and then two in the Wonder Woman trailer too. So yeah, that's yeah yeah of, actually three in this one. Uh, Naomi Harris too. Well anyway, and mm-hmm. also Jeffrey Wright. Jeffrey Wright's an interesting and beguiling. He is a well. he is a lovely brunette. That's true. And Ben Wishaw is also beguiling. So I guess it's just you know cavalcade of brunettes. All right. So, uh, what about uh, let's talk about Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four? It's you said you had misgivings. Maybe it's it's so weird. Like, <laughs> why why is what's his face there, and why does he look like he's like fifteen years older, <laughs> and like possibly like a somewhat befuddled nineteen fifties house father? I don't understand exactly what's going on with Steve Rogers in this thing. Or did not My, Steve, what's his name? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, uh, Steve yeah, Steve Allen? Trevor. Trevor. Steve Trevor. There we go. If she was in love with Steve Allen, that would be amazing, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Up next on the program, so uh, watch that. Yeah, so uh, I'd watch that. Um, well, so what I'm thinking is that Maxwell Lord, who's uh, what Pedro Pascal is playing, uh, he looks I, a little hefty too, doesn't he? He looks creepy as hell. Yeah. In a good way, though. He's all he's 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 smarmy, smiling, and then really gross. Has like a mm-hmm. creepy hair. I'm I'm hoping it's like not just '80s hair, but like a wig that comes off or something. But anyway, uh, it, yeah, uh, it's it's super weird looking. He looks deliberately bad, like tacky. But everything I've seen, the photos of him, he's in those kinds of suits. He looks like that l- very late '70s, early '80s. Uh, gross tycoon like he looks just yeah. right <laughs> so, <laughs> but my my sense is that he's got some well in this trailer you see that he's got a, a a magic crystal but um you know my sense was that he was using something to uh, uh reincarnate trevor uh as a tempting as like sort of the devil's temptation to her you know like i'll give mm-hmm. him back and then you're gonna owe me something and it seems like they're going that route i don't know um how that involves the fanny pack i'm not sure but i love it <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure. They they had posted that photo months ago of him standing in the mall with a fanny pack, and I was like, I don't know, yeah. and the tracksuit. But now I'm totally maybe, on board. Maybe he has to carry uh, her lasso in his fanny pack while they're <laughs> out shopping. That is so amazing. <laughs> it would be their version of Flash's like little uh, little costume ring. <laughs> she goes, like, the- Steve, the fanny pack. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god, that's amazing. Well, okay, so uh yeah. There's definitely a tonal shift and it's mm-hmm. interesting. It Yeah. I, I think I think a strong criticism is going to be they're gonna say that this was a reaction to Ragnarok, right? Yeah. Not yeah, I don't think definitely. I don't think it's gonna be funny necessarily, but I think stylistically they're gonna say, Well, you are playing loose with your references and being all 
you know, hip hipster vintage and stuff, and you're just between playing right Ragnarok off. and Stranger Things. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Completely. And Guardian and Guardian. So, so, mm-hmm. but I feel like that's a, it's it's an uphill battle. Like you're going to be, mm-hmm. um, you're going to be faced with that. I mean, we've we've seen other projects since Stranger Things came out that do not owe anything to Stranger Things, but they look like Stranger Things ripoffs. So we've just reached a right. point where it's just wallpapered that look, right? But I'm. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I think my biggest concern is that I'm 100% not down with Kristen Wiig as Cheetah. I think that's super yeah. weird casting, and yeah. I do not agree with that. But I don't I, know. I'm, I'll probably like it, but the trailer left me kind of hot and cold. Sure, sure. Well, so I've seen Kristen Wiig do serious acting, and she can do it well. But mm-hmm. what we saw in this was her doing Kristen Wiig stuff. Yeah. which is not a good sign because if she's Agreed. mousy and mousy and awkward and then turns aggressive, it's not going to read. It's not going to read realistically that her aggression right. is genuine. Right. I, I yeah, I, that's my, I think that's the weakest part. Um, I did not have the negative reaction to lassoing lightning bolts that I thought I would. I actually quite liked it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it looked pretty rad. All of the action stuff looked really cool. I mean, you know, going back to, uh, all of my superhero role-playing from back in the day. I love seeing new and interesting takes, new and interesting applications of powers, right? Like, that's mm-hmm. all I did in Super's role-playing game was try to do weird things with the same kit of parts, right? So I yeah, love yeah. seeing stuff like, in this one, I love that <laughs> she blocked she blocked a bullet and sent it into someone, and then she twists the lasso. She did a little, like, the, she kind of spun the lasso. Like, when I'm whipping my my son into the house of pain with a, with a wet uh, bath towel. Uh, she's doing that with her lasso. like, And she made this little thing out of it. Um, I think that's rad. I think all yeah. that stuff's rad. Um, yeah, I agree. Uh, what's the band? I'm blanking on the band whose song was used in the trailer or the, they made an urgent version of it. It's, um, Oh yeah. What new, what it's new order. It's, it's new order. It's new order. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. I thought it was really successful adapting that song into this sort of modern urgent take on it for the trailer that sounded amazing. it was nice I, to, to to see them take a retro thing and redo it as something like urgent and fast beat instead of like some slow dolorous right thing like so many others have been doing that's for sure well, that's it that's it because that was a neat effect but then it was used over and over and over again and i feel ah. like age of ultron was their trailer was the one of the first ones to do it and then everybody mm-hmm. Uh, kind of ripped it off after that, but yeah, no, I. And then at the end, of course, and then they walk out, and the kids are breakdancing or whatever, and they shouldn't be to that song, but that song was playing. I like that cut, right? Um, yeah. Uh, but uh, so anyway, it's interesting to see that we've seen more Mandalorian in this trailer than you see in the Mandalorian, right? Because Pedro Pascal is not visible. He's in the Mandalorian. I wouldn't in the know. Armor. I haven't seen the Mandalorian. Tom, I know this, but he's <laughs> he is infamously the Mandalorian in the in the show, and he's in his helmet the whole time, and mm. you could tell it's him because he has pigeon toes and he has a certain posture, a certain gait when he walks, and you know it's him in the armor, not a stunt double in all those scenes when it could you know mm-hmm. some other Hollywood type would just have used the double right, but in this one, <laughs> you get more than enough Pedro Pascal to go around. Speaking of which, I haven't watched Prospect yet. Have you? 
No, I haven't. I noticed it's on Hulu, but I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I really want to. It looks amazing, but... It's going to be a terrible movie that looks rad as hell, right? Yeah, that's my assumption. I mean, I'd love it for for it to be amazing, but I just... If, I just I want to see it just for the costumes. <laughs> I was uh, I I was reminded of it because Doris and I have been watching the uh, the current season of The Crown. Actually, we just finished it, and mm. there's an episode that um, do you watch? The, have you watched the other seasons of The Crown? My wife has, but I haven't. Uh, it's uh, a okay. very Lindsay show. I understand. <laughs> okay, well, um, they recast it as they move forward in time, and and at this point, they're in the uh, they were in the late sixties and into the seventies, and there was an episode centered around the Apollo mission and the Brits weren't involved, <laughs> but anyway, there's, they're talking about the global phenomenon of this and how, and they're showing how the Royal family and um, it, it was, you know, speaking to the, the idleness and the feeling of not having a purpose because he's watching, mm. you know, Prince Philip is watching this on TV and he was a pilot and he just feels, he's just like a kept man at this point. So anyway, what I was, was what I was thinking was, uh, Everybody, all the kids had Apollo helmet, like toy helmets, like they all were all excited and and like riding tricycles. And they had that that funny little dome helmet that they used. You know what I'm talking Mm. about? It's like a smaller space helmet with a big black shield. And it has this sort of cool 60s curve to it. It's one of the most beautiful pieces of I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Space design ever. And that's immediately made me think of uh, Prospect because that's what I love so much about what we saw was that that it looks like spacesuits from the early seventies in it, you know? So I could be very disappointed, but that's what I think. <laughs> that's what I think is going to happen. Uh, it could. <laughs> um, I have a good, I have a good item and a bad item from wonder woman. The good item being they found a way to make her even more beguiling, stepping out of a car in a white dress, somehow not being uh, X rated, but seeming like it was, it was yeah. a pretty incredible yeah. scene. There was a lot uh, of legs there. <laughs> there was. And um, between her and just, yeah, just all of the amazing everything that was happening in that uh, was then immediately offset by this horseshit gold armor. <laughs> I like that armor. I mean, I think it's stupid, but I like it. It's I don't know. I I was down in the poster <laughs> with all the rainbow lightning bolts and Wonder Woman stuff. And I liked uh-huh. it in the poster. But then when when she has that funny little helmet on, the helmet looks too small and it looks slightly puffy like it's one of those inflatable helmets. And I don't think it, even if it is Amazonian, I don't think an inflatable helmet works for her at all. I do like I the wings. I, I like the wings. I, I get that. Yeah. I don't think the helmet looks as bad when you see it as still as you do when you see it on the video, honestly. Like, I think I feel like it fits her a little better, but... All I'm saying is, I if I had to choose, I like I'd I'd rather watch the white dress than the gold armor. Agreed. I I cert- I don't think she'll be in that outfit a ton, frankly. The white dress? But no. Well, either, frankly. But uh, I I think that the golden armor is probably a temporary thing or like some big bad fight. I don't know. I have no idea what the plot is for this. So who knows? What is who is Max Lord? <laughs> In the eighties, in the well, I guess several times since then, but in the eighties he was well actually, listen, I was a Marvel kid, so maybe he pre existed, but I remember him from Justice League International. He was uh he was like this millionaire who was bankrolling the Justice League and he was super charming and then and then he wasn't. 
he turned bad, and then and okay. Wonder Woman act Wonder Woman actually strangled him with her lasso, I think. So, so does it was he dark- not have any kind of powers or anything? Well, I think in the original stories he didn't, but I think later on in the comics maybe he did. But I'm not, I'm not up to date on that. But you know what? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. I, I choose. Oh, we'll I choose to believe I like right? it. Sure. Yes. I'll, I'll uh, probably see it in like 2023, but I'll watch it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what other trailers did you see? Uh, I think the only other trailer was no. I guess that's it. I think that's it. Did you see a few weeks ago the Birds of Prey trailer? I saw that it was out, but I didn't watch it. I, I don't, don't have underst- a lot of interest in that. I don't understand what. Yeah, you're right. Still image, it looks good. Actually, it looks the still way image looks still image. Uh, and and it reminds me that one of the things I really like is there's a really tight male mesh on her thighs, and then there's armor plates, so it makes the mesh look like fishnet, but it's mesh mm-hmm. like chainmail. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, very I like cool. that. My mind's going a certain direction. So uh, <laughs> it always is. I, I just don't. I just don't. I want to like Birds of Prey. I, just, I think she's great casting. I I just I don't know. I have a hard time getting excited about it at all. It's weird. It just doesn't do anything for me. I I think it's got a couple of other people in it I like. I think isn't Ewan McGregor in it? Oh yeah, he's playing the nominal theoretical bad guy. They assume he's yeah. going to be the Black Mask, but I don't know for sure. But there's like, there's like a number of people in this cast that are good. But yeah, you know, I think I think this is one of those things where maybe we're not we're not really the target market to speak to it. But it definitely feels like be. it's morphed into a story that would appeal to a different audience than us. Uh, yeah. And what I mean by that is not that we need um, a bunch of uh, hi- highly highly uh, agitated sexy times all the time. But I mean that they've deliberately dressed down and simplified and normalized the looks of all these female characters, like made a point of making them not um, sexual objects, which I I like as a concept. But what I what I see though is a bunch of women in variations of fairly muted normal clothes, sort of, and then but then a bunch of tattoos and being really crazy, but then also not crazy, and I just. There's, it's not the it's not the fact that it's not skin because I don't need that at all. It's mm-hmm. that there's not a lot of flash to it. There's not a lot of a uh, unique dynamic <clears throat> to each of the costumes. To it, interest yeah, me. it it doesn't feel like a superhero movie. It's yes. and I think that that's the biggest problem with it. Is it feels like some like comedy action film instead yeah. of a superhero movie to me. It's like when they criticize that uh, Hollywood is afraid to make a superhero movie that they have to, they have to bleed them out and and make them as bland as possible and neuter all the costumes and neuter all the hijinks in order to make it uh, be taken seriously. In yeah. this sense, it feels that way just from a from a design standpoint. You know what it is? It makes me feel like I'm watching something from the CW, where everybody has some variation on a drab, muted largely monochromatic it's like the same thing with the eternals right when they showed all those mm-hmm. costumes there's just no there there to really get you excited yeah uh and also yes, you know, the uh, black... somewhat unrelated note uh tara strong who did the voice of harley quinn actually yeah. bought some candles from me at reno comic-con <laughs> how cool is that <laughs> yeah she was pretty cool did um did uh did she like was it like a thing that you talked about or no not really she came over with a couple of the other voice actors and smelled some candles and picked a couple out and bought them and left (laughs) 
I said at, I thought uh, she I I said she was awesome and she said oh thanks but that was it at, <laughs> uh, at the uh, at the most recent show I was at the voice actor for video games uh, animation and future projects doing the voice of Lando Calrissian was at my table oh. um, and he was actually giving me his card in case I needed any voice acting work so he's trying to parlay it into other things so I initially didn't. I, I didn't know that he was actually working professionally. And then once he told me what he needed been... any voice acting work, as in he wanted to hire you to do voice acting or he wanted you to hire him to do voice acting. Uh, I'm confused. He was, he was talking, he was talking to me a lot about the game. And then he said, if you're, he asked me if I was uh... thinking about doing any mix multimedia stuff related to the game and said, he's a voice actor, gave me his card. And I said, Oh, what have you been working on? And then he told me that he was a number of other projects, some NDA stuff. And then he, and then he said that he was doing the Lando stuff, and I immediately heard it, and I was like, "Oh man!" <laughs> well, of course, he could be full of shit, but it, his card was legit. And I tell you what, <laughs> if he if if he's not the voice of Lando, he should be because he did sound dead on. Um, nice. Anyway, anyway, so but he didn't buy any candles for me, so that's not as fun. <laughs> yeah. I was I had just got done talking to Johnny Brew um, before I met Tara, so I wasn't paying that much attention. Honestly, I didn't recognize her at first. Uh, be, uh, Johnny, uh, he played Deacon in What We Do in the Shadows in the original All right. movie, yeah. and he's super cool. Like we just like hung out and chatted for a while, and like he gave us a picture and that kind of thing. He was really cool. He Tara was also Strong is bored. Tara Tara Strong is one of those people that you would see, um, and you were like, I recognize her. She's someone, but you wouldn't necessarily mm-hmm. know what you yeah, recognize. She has her a from. very distinctive look. Um, I I watched the. The toys that made us the new season of that uh, on Netflix okay. a few days ago, and okay. they did have a My Little Pony episode, and it's so weird because they have her on it because she does one of the voices of somebody on it, uh-huh. but they only use her for like maybe a minute and a half, and they barely have her talk about her character or anything like that. They're just like, it's like one of those talking head things where she just pops in and it's like, people like My Little Pony. And it was uh, so weird. weird. I was like, that's such a strange way to use somebody that's so iconic in the voice acting community. Yeah, this that is, is very really strange. odd. Yeah. Well, anyway, anyway, I don't know. The the other thing about the, the Bird of Prey and design work is that um, the Black Mask is one of the most interesting looking, to me, uh, char- characters in the, in the Bat universe, in the comics. Mm, yes, in the agreed. sense that I In the sense that it's not another big costume guy, but it's a gangster guy but then he's got the black mask that looks so specific and distinct it's not just a skull mask it has that sort of weird uh matte black sheen to it It looks really cool Mm -hmm. at least from some of the better uh renderings of it so if they fuck that up (laughs) like i don't (laughs) i don't even know (laughs) you so you know they're gonna fuck that up tom (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's no doubt in my mind that they're gonna fuck that up (laughs) yeah I i think you're probably right all right. Well, uh, do you want to uh, do you want to what do you want to do? You want to talk about? Do you want to do a really quick uh, little uh, check on the con situation? What's been going on with us with that? Yeah, sure. If you'd like to do that, that is acceptable. Yeah, let's talk, let's talk We've talked cons. for three hours about four trailers, so that's fine. That's how we do it. <laughs> that's so, how we roll. Chris, what were your recent cons that you did? Uh, well, I did Reno Pop Culture Con. 
before that, I genuinely couldn't tell you. <laughs> I think it was that awful uh, Rock Springs, Wyoming show that was like we made, it was probably our worst show ever in terms of money and attendance and enjoyment. <laughs> that was what? Rock was what? Rock Springs, Wyoming. It was oh, okay. some sort of gaming and Comic Con, supposedly, but it was really just a daycare system where people oh, in Wyoming God. would pull up, drop their kids off, and leave. So oh, for every God. one adult, there were at least two kids running around, and no one was buying anything. Uh, they had a sound system that they were using for the stage that kept malfunctioning and just blaring this high-pitched squeal or a low buzz through the entire hall for minutes at a time it was awesome awful 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 uh so after that we did reno which was actually really fun we did better at that show than we'd expected to and it was a weird show because we uh there's a few shows in the next year or so that we're going to be teaming up with uh, a group that uh, they call themselves Cutie Hats, and they oh hand knit fandom hats and they make T-shirts. And we're going to be teaming up with them slash being their employees at shows, where I will be selling their hats and shirts, and then we get to the tables to sell our soaps and art and stuff. I remember and you it, talking with them before at Rose City, right? Yeah. Yeah, and it actually worked really well this time around. I don't know how sustainable it is just because they hand make everything. They do all the printing of the t-shirts and stuff. And inventory seems to be an issue. And they live in uh, Colorado somewhere. So for us to meet, we each have to drive like three hours to Utah to swap stock. Oh. And... The initial plan was for them to give me a full stock and then they would just mail me re-ups and everything. But right now they're doing so many shows that they need the stock that they send with me that's left over. And so I'm having to drive down and drop it off. Then before the next show, drive down and pick up new stock. And that's not going to fly eventually. So hopefully we can get that sorted. I'm hoping he realizes that he's better off long run sending more people to do shows for him so he can stay home and make product. But who knows? It's interesting to hear uh, you talk about the problem being that the guy has a lot of labor requirements to produce their product when that's the same thing that plagues you, right? <laughs> and, to and an I'm extent, not, yes. yes. That's not a put down. I'm just saying it's a practical reality that affects more than you it's anybody that is not uh, mass producing and letting someone else do that yeah yeah it's kind of an interesting challenge and that's part of why we're moving this way is that we're only bringing soaps and candles and our books with us to shows i'm not doing right. the wall of art i'm not doing any of that stuff because we have so many other projects between the board games and the magazine that we're releasing that I don't have time to do art prints. And if you mm. don't have new stuff, it's like, what's the point? Right. So, I, I don't know. That. I mean, and it, you have a show? Uh, <laughs> <are> you <laughs> well, I mean, you, a, you know. <laughs> it was a 
No, I, I guess it was a show. And you couldn't hear the air quotes around that, but. <laughs> well, it might have been my Rock Springs, Wyoming. So you, you read about yeah, this. Really. It'd be interesting. It'd be interesting to try to figure out which of them was worse. But uh, yeah, it was definitely my worst show. This was Bay Area, Wizard Bay Area, or Wizard Bay Area Comic Con. We so... made, for a frame of reference, my previous worst show ever was uh-huh. World Horror Con in Utah. Mm-hmm. And I made $397 at that show. Mm-hmm. And we it was a three-day show. <laughs> yeah. I made $397. But yeah. I spent the whole time. I met Carter, uh, who does Zombie Nation. I met uh, David J. West and a bunch of authors. Like, I got to hang out with Timothy Zahn for a little while at that show. So it was oh, wow. like a fun show. We just hung out and talked about sci-fi and fantasy the whole weekend. This show, yeah. we made... We made $412 on a three-day show, and it was bad enough that we went and checked out of the hotel early. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So that's what we did at Rock Springs. (laughs) So so you would say then that uh, it was not your worst uh, in terms of uh, receipts, but it was your worst experience because it wasn't offset by positive... Correct. Yeah, it wasn't fun at all. Whereas, at least at World Horror Con, there were some redeeming factors. Like, some of those guys that I met at that show, I'm continuing to be friends with. And, like, David's contributing to our magazine when we put it out. Right. Carter's. Yeah, like, there's, there's been benefits to it, whereas the Rock Spring show did nothing for us. <laughs> yeah, I understand what you're saying. I mean, that's interesting. I, I guess I would think that um, the way I would look at it is it has a lot also to do, when I think about whether the show was good or bad in your personal, uh, in terms of your receipts, I tend to think of it as, you know, what did everybody else do? And also, what is it in relation to what you would normally see? And so, for example, yeah, that that number, for a frame of reference for people, that num- those two numbers for you are, you know, ten percent of what you should be making, right? Ten I, to twenty percent of what. Ideally, yes. Yeah. But yeah. So, <laughs> more realistically, it's not quite that, but yeah. But, but you yeah. know what I'm saying? Order of ma- order of magnitude, right? And so exactly uh, when you have a bad show and you have a lot in on it, that's the that's the part where it really hurts. So, for example, when I had one of my previous bad shows was the uh, Ace. No. Not Ace. What was it called? Fandemic in Sacramento when you weren't able to go. Mm-hmm. And, and those guys, that was the one that was my my story show when people want to talk about bad shows, right? Because of right. how they all the, the – so many of the celebrities left on Saturday midday and took their minimums and walked. And, and all the people that were there were uh, pocket poor and crying because the celebrities had left. And they didn't even mm-hmm. have any money on in their pockets to do anything with. And then – Calero and those guys got all the artists to move into this sort of cluster and make this like water world style island of, <laughs> of art tables in the middle of all this dead space, which was <laughs> astonishing. The show, the show on Sunday morning looked the way a lot of times it looks when you take your photo, when you're breaking down, 
right? That's what it looked like. It was terrible. Dennis Hopper's um, in the middle, missing yeah. an eye. <laughs> yep. So I and I couldn't move my table. Remember, I had I had yours and mine together, and I had I had spanned twenty something feet of oh, space yeah. with two, with two displays, and I had to stay where I was. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, that was always my my example of a bad show. <clears> but it was offset by how awesome it was to see people like Michael Rooker running around and firing people up and taking photos with vendors and trying to get people really um, motivated and staying the whole time. Do you know what I mean? Um, So wizard though, (laughs) here's what's confusing. So for perspective, for people who are listening, who maybe don't follow as much of our, our talk about the conventions, uh, San Francisco is notoriously difficult place to have comic conventions. So, mm-hmm. uh, ten years ago or so, we had a, or fifteen years ago, twenty years ago, we had a number of shows, and they all left because the cost to put on the show became too high. Um, the union prices are very high, the venue prices are very high, and uh, it just becomes prohibitively, uh, you know, just financially infeasible to do it. So WonderCon. Yes. Uh, you know, WonderCon and other shows left San Francisco and never came back. So someone imagine Imaginarium, Imaginarium. Yeah, uh, I believe that's right. Yeah, yeah. Mate, they came out. They're they have done other shows uh, back east, and so they came out and said, "Well, we'll try San Francisco Comic Con." And so they they launched that, and they ran it for a couple of years. They they started in the Marriott, I think, and then they got into the, the uh, uh, Moscone Center, which is the big convention center in San Francisco. And then, mm-hmm. and it was a great show. I mean, it was big, a lot of attendance. It was very exciting. I did a panel there, remember? And then mm-hmm. uh, the next year, or like months into the the you know the following season, they announced that uh, Moscone wouldn't renew their um, reservations to do it again, and uh, said that not only were they not you know not only were they not doing it. But like Moscone wasn't letting them do it, like saying that they were only mm-hmm. going to be doing te- yeah. certain certain tech shows that were had guaranteed receipts that were a much higher scale than them, and and so they spent a good six or seven months trying to use social media to drum up some sort of fan based momentum of outrage that would guilt Moscone into letting them back. It didn't <laughs> make any sense. And then, as right. you recall, we, we went to uh, San Francisco Comic Con in Oakland, and it was a an unmitigated. Uh, garbage fire. <laughs> they had us in the back corner, right? In this funny little booth in yeah. the back corner, facing Terrible. a wall. Yeah, yeah. No, wait, and, no, and wait. We 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 were facing that one really nice old security guy. I guess actually. really nice we guy. Technically facing a wall, right? And the exit doors that didn't. And it was all the the concession stands that were closed, and then the exit doors that were locked. Uh, so <laughs> we said the next time. We would definitely be like, well, let's get front and center into the main part of the space because people said that they did well, just mm-hmm. not the people in the back like us, right? So right. then, uh, so then they vaporized and they decided not to do the show again, and so we went a year without anything. And then, even at the time, we said to the showrunners, one of the biggest box office poison problems you have is the name, right? Yes. They also had the the final game of the Warriors. You know, they had uh-huh. a graduate, like a graduation. There was some other thing. There was pride in San Francisco. There was a bunch of stuff happening at once. So the, they were doomed. But calling San Francisco Comic Con and then putting it in Oakland was a disaster. And I said at the time, <laughs> in the Bay Area, we're a, we're a close family until you start 
calling us by our first names and then we get yeah, ugly about it. Or you call and us I, by the wrong name. <laughs> right, right. And I said at the time, if you had just called yourself the Bay Area Con, no one would mm-hmm. care. It would be fine. And they're like, well, someone's camping on that. We can't do that. Okay, fine. So here we are, two years later or whatever it is, and Wizard has either been the ones who got the name or bought the, bought the name. And Supposedly, yeah, something. They, they've, yeah, so now here they are, and they say, we're going to be Wizard Bay Area Comic Con. It's going to be great. And I said, fine. And you remember, they did that thing where if you buy your tickets in advance and you uh, you can get a VIP uh, or like first come, first serve assignments on the seating. And so I bought, so I got sit, I got, I got the table for this, and then we got tables for Portland, at the beginning of the year, and uh, okay, great, better, be better. <laughs> and that, well, yeah, and I and I thought, well, okay, so it's nice to have a home show again. It's one I don't have to worry about. I could just basically take the boxes and go, you know. And it's mm-hmm. nice, it's nice to have a home show. It's not fun when you're, you know, it's, it's better when you're here. But yeah, you know, at least if nothing else, it's like I come home at night. And who cares? Whatever. So yeah. it's like a, it's like a win-win, right? And then we get into the weeks before the show, and they still haven't announced it to anyone. It's not on social media. They have a smattering of guests. For a long time, they had no one on there. And then yeah. they had a small number of them. And then in the weeks, like the week before the show, wasn't it like Momoa and Goldblum dropped out? Momoa, Goldblum, and somebody else. I don't remember the third dropout. But yeah, they had three. They're a big three dropped yes. yes within a week of mm-hmm. the show and i so then in that week before the show i sent notes out to i noticed that a lot of the uh con and cosplay uh friends of mine on the gram weren't making their usual posts about getting ready and what they were going to wear and all that other you know those little costume previews and all that and i thought okay that's interesting right. so i reached out to a number of them and i said are you going to come are you you're coming right whatever and they and to a person they didn't even know about it. So when people <laughs> it's it's bad enough when the mainstream don't know it's there. Mm-hmm. But when people that are in this world don't know people whose job people who live in the Bay Area who want to go to comic conventions and do costumes for them don't know it's there. That's a bad, bad sign. right? Yeah. Yeah. So, it's weird. I I have concerns. I um <laughs> I don't know. I, so they did just before the Bay Area show, they did three shows that were all rated really poorly by a lot of the authors and artists and vendors we know. And then they apparently were involved with some Saudi Arabian convention. Right. And what it sounds like it was, was it was legitimately like those super nouveau riche royalty guys over there. Apparently right. it's the big thing to do the American thing. And so they hired a promoter who did shows and the promoter was like, it's going to be enough of a logistical nightmare to run this show, let alone find vendors and everything for it. So they subcontracted the vendor aspect of it to Wizard World and Wizard World spent all their attention and all their time and everything else on getting vendors to this show. And apparently they threw so much money around that vendors that vended there had everything paid for they paid for them to fly there they paid to ship their product they paid for lodging all they had to do was cover food to sell at this show i would have done with (laughs) all of the yeah it would have been really interesting just purely from an experience standpoint but 
it's blatantly obvious that Wizard World said fuck it to everything that happened after that show until they got back from that show and had to start actually thinking about it again. And like they still haven't scheduled a single person for the Portland show, and that's in January. Right. It's late January, but and they've got a solid lineup for New Orleans right now. They've got like four people from Outlander. They've got a, a straight up uh friggin uh smallville reunion with five of them um they've got six of the cast members from the old school x-men animated series which is cool so it's it's actually a solid lineup for uh for new orleans but portland doesn't have a single person announced yet (laughs) that's it that's interesting that um the x-men animated series reunion given that no one's talked about that in like five years for any reason at all and it's been in the news three times because in like the last month because someone has discovered that the theme song that was used in the in the cartoon was ripped off of some other thing oh was it following that yeah that's funny no someone's come forward and it's like some really obscure i don't remember where it came from like i i don't have the details someone else anybody hearing this probably knows more about this than me but it was some really (laughs) obscure uh uh, source material but it's it's like beat for beat the same thing it's not how great. funny but it was at huh. a time when but it was at a time when that stuff wasn't readily available right so if it was a jingle right. used on on a commercial in denmark no one would ever 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 hear it no matter where this cartoon was shown right because this stuff right. wasn't online there was no global archive of this kind of information but now it's That's getting on there true. right uh, so, you, huh. you know, so I, I have thought about Portland <laughs> mm-hmm. in light of my experiences at this show. Indeed. And I will say, as long as you don't flake, I will not flake because nah, we won't flake. We've... I'm doing this. I'm doing this to, to spend time with you. So we're going to do it. And yeah. And, and that's the thing. Like, we always enjoy our trips to Portland enough. And sure. we have a little bit of a following built up now there between sure. us doing Rose City and, and this yeah. show. And here's some villains, like, right? Yeah, yeah. So I feel like there's at least enough of a following from that aspect that worst case scenario, I think we should at least have a good time. Oh, yeah. And 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 the thing is, even as long... Here's the thing. I don't see how they will uh, cock up Portland the way they did this show because cause Portland has a... I mean, it's not its first time. There are, There's a right. returning base of people who are accustomed to that show. It didn't move in time, right? It's still at the same mm. time it was before, right? Roughly? Yes, yeah, the same time it always is, or yeah. right around there. Yeah. Uh, same venue. I, I so, think it'll be a solid show. I just think it's weird they haven't booked anybody for it right. yet. Right. It could definitely be uh, impacted in terms of profitability if they don't pull it together and mm-hmm. bring uh, guests. But, but in terms of uh, customers and cosplayers and the sort of the the meat and potatoes of what we see at shows, I think it's going to be okay. Yeah. Um, and if not enough, if nothing else, uh, whiskey, right. So we'll be fine, but exactly wizard. But here's the thing. Wizard has done shows all over the world mm-hmm. and all over the country. And they have done, they have started shows in strange places and they pulled it off. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they're always successful, but they, they have created shows in vacuums and made it work. To create a show, a first-time show in a place like San Francisco Bay Area, mm-hmm. it has to be – you have to try hard to fuck it up, right? 
And between what I see Silicon Valley Comic Con doing and now what I see them doing, I'm really confused. Because as we established, it's very expensive to do a show in the Bay Area. And they pass a lot of that expense on to us. But the bottom line is, if you're going to do it, why wouldn't you do it right? And and like you said, they spent all of their time and their efforts on the Saudi Arabia thing. Uh, You know, I've been seeing some photos recently from a Comic-Con in Singapore. And maybe wonder if it's a similar kind of deal. Because... It looked very. The photos look very Western Comic Con. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't. Yeah. You could. You could. It looks like you could have just put Singapore on it, but it was actually, you know, whatever <laughs> Chicago, Chicago or something. But anyway, uh, it, the other thing we talked about before the show was that they lost one of their um, employees that did a lot of the management and organization of the way the the floors are laid out, and I think that that yeah, hurt them true. as well. Yeah, but anyway, we, we I, I showed up expecting very little since there was no uh, no marketing <laughs> and nobody knew. Yeah, really. Um, but the upside though was that uh, friend of the friend of the pod and friend of Third Rail, uh, Go Dorito, Mike Mike Rowe, mm-hmm. uh, who's been a friend since um, going all the way back to the forum days for us. Uh, he's moved back here with his uh, his wife, which is amazing, and. Uh, he uh, said he wanted to come and join me and help out. I said, oh, that's great. And he was going to help out just uh, what he was really going to do was help me out on the Sunday because I had a problem with, uh, you know, like arrangement for the kids. My my wife had to work and I didn't know what I was going to do. And he said that he would go and open the open the show for me on Sunday until I could get there. And I thought this was amazing. It's great. But then he decided he came out and he actually did the whole show with me all three days or Nice. Two and a half days, because it turns out a three-day show for Wizard in the Bay Area means that the first day starts at five or four or something like that. So, <laughs> right. Not great. And I had warned him that I thought it was going to be dubious because who can get to a con- who can get to the Oakland Convention Center on a Friday evening in the Bay Area, right? Like, yeah. You, you'd have two hours of traffic if you lived a mile away. What are you going to do? <laughs> like, I, I didn't expect much. Uh, and, uh, I was not disappointed in that because it was, <laughs> it was amazing. It was dead as doornails that Friday night. There was no one there. Um, yeah, that's I, crazy. I was better than some. Actually, I was better mm-hmm. off than many because I had a sale on Friday, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's the scale of how bad this was. Then most of the people I talked to hadn't had a sale and that's t-shirt yeah. sellers, sword sellers, Oh, comic artist, nothing. All right. So we joked around a lot uh, that, well, Saturday's that big day, man. They're going to come in okay. strong and gonna change everything. And as as you know from me talking to you about it elsewhere, but uh, it was dead. It was dead the whole weekend. No one was there. And in fact, um, it frustrated me to find out that uh, I talked to several people who said that had there been even a, just the bare minimum of marketing, they would have come. They had the time. They could have done mm-hmm. it, but they just didn't know. Uh, but, uh, it was surreal to say the least. It was super fun having Mike there. Cause we got to talk the whole weekend and yeah, that's organize- awesome. We were organizing the prints and working on stuff. And he was, he was helping me. We were, we were jiggering the, the table layout a little bit, uh, based on, I was trying a couple of different things that were, were new on how to make a two table layout work when I'd been pushing everything towards booth design at this point. So I mm-hmm. was, you know, having to kind of shift gears. And the last show I had done was Rose City, where I was down to one table, and I all my material was compressed to that. 
Um, and I really have not picked, I didn't even restock. So it was pretty bad. I just basically <laughs> put the boxes in and then took it back out. And so I was doing a lot of improv improvisational, uh, setup at that time. Uh, but so it was really fun talking to him. He was going through the art. He was finding stuff that he remembered from a decade ago on the forum. He was finding stuff he had never seen before and he was getting really excited about it. And <laughs> nice. also he was, and he was really excited to go and, uh, also go out to the other vendors and, you know, he picked up a lot of really good uh, swag for uh, Christmas gifts and for his wife and, and him. And, you know, he just had a great time. And his uh, his positive vibes were very infectious. And I think it was um, the main thing that made it not be a depressing show. Like, it yeah. could have been really – it could have been just – even if I was drawing the whole time, it would have been uh, sort of op- oppressive, right? But because mm-hmm. he was there, it, it, was, it was fun anyway. You know, we were able to just kind of just enjoy ourselves and talk with some people and – and, you know, in the big picture, compared to a lot of the people I talked to, I didn't do as bad as many of them. I mean, I, That's I'm, true. Astonished, I'm astonished to say that. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so I, I was at about 20, I would say I was at about 25% of what I would expect for. So 25% of where I was with San Francisco Comic-Con, not the year you and I did it uh, in the corner, but the year right. that I did it, the, the first year that I did it where I was in the, you know, when I was across from Brom and did the panel. Oh, okay, and stuff. yeah. So... You know, I mean, I'm not going to complain. Everybody else seemed to have it worse. Um, when I <laughs> when I see Calero with his his pockets pockets emptied out like a cartoon, you know, then I know <laughs> I know we're in trouble because Calero Calero can sell water at he could sell water at 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 a reservoir, right? I mean, he's astonished. Yeah, yeah. Um, a couple of highlights though I have for you. One is that uh, so at the end of my row was uh, Rob Liefeld's table. Mm-hmm. Uh, so contextually, that's interesting. When you put Rob Liefeld in the artist alley, that's weird, okay? But <laughs> right, because that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But there he was, and uh, I didn't want to be right next to him because I was concerned mm-hmm. about the the line of people in front of my table, and so I was over one from him. Uh, and that even that even survived them changing the layout after I made my selections. By the way, the day before the show, when I got to make my selections, and then. They took them, and then I pointed out some problems with their map, and then they redrew it, and then they redrew it again, and so I moved the whole bay. <laughs> so <laughs> I was still in the very front of the alley. I've never been at the front before. That was kind of fun. And I and I had two tables, so I had this dominating presence in the alley, if you right. think about it. It was the center bay, front, and I had two tables. So it, it when you came up on the alley from the booth, from the vendor side, um, you, you looked at me front and center, which was cool, if you were there. But you weren't there because mm-hmm. there was no, because one, there. no one was there. Yeah. <laughs> there it yeah, was so accurate. dead. There was so dead there weren't even astromechs from the Legion cruising around. Like <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sure they'll go to the mall and do that. And they weren't even yeah, here. Yeah, really. Um, yeah. But anyway, so he was in the corner and I was concerned about the line and all this, and they had they had left uh they had designed the booth sets in front of us to face away from us. So in other words, our our aisle didn't look on opposing vendors looking at us. We were looking at the backs of booths, right? With with okay. with, cur- with curtain. And I think that the I think that the logic was to give the life field uh, people a place to line up, right? And they did. They lined mm-hmm. up, and then they would they would leave the alley open, and then they would line up for. But here's what was shocking: he came on Saturday, and he was only mm-hmm. going to be there Saturday. So they already going in, they knew that they were going to have a dead table two of the three days. And they're like, that's mm. cool. His name will bring people in. 
I saw him at uh, Starbucks the morning on Saturday morning getting stuff for Tony and I, or uh, Michael and I, and uh, he was, uh, you know, he was he was he was bullshitting with another another guy in his family in Starbucks telling tales from the uh, Heroes Reborn era of Marvel, and I was like, this is surreal. <laughs> he was behind me while I was waiting for my latte, right? So then, nice. So the, so so he shows up and he was going to do signing, and then he was going to do a panel, and then he was going to do more signing. His line was maybe uh, 14 people long. Which is crazy because right. I've seen him at other shows and right. they've they've got the the wibby wobby queue up lines in front of them. Like that's, oh, that's totally. nuts. Totally. It, it made no – that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm talking about scale, right? Like he had 14 yeah. people and then they're gone. Then he did his panel and when he was close to coming back from his panel, there was about five or six or seven that lined up. And then it grew to about 14 again, 15. He did him, and then he had time. He had time sitting around at his. He was at his table, bullshitting with a couple of fans who were just standing around talking to him. And eventually, he left early. He left at four. So wow. weird. So then, yeah. uh, one of your buddies was next to me, and so they mm-hmm. they spread out onto his corner table on Sunday morning. And so Sunday morning, they're all they're all excited. They didn't have a lot of material to do that with, but they're like, "Look at us! We got a corner table." So we were kind of joking <laughs> about that. So they spread themselves out, and so about. Uh, about midday on Sunday, they're like, "Nope." <laughs> so they <laughs> they put everything in their suitcases and split. And so for the last part of Sunday, I spread myself all the way past them and all the way to the corner. <laughs> and so I had something like thirty feet, and I have a couple of photos of it where all I did was put prints in sleeves on the table and in front of the table all the way down, <laughs> like nice. uh, like, like like antique roadshow, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. Um, but at one point, your buddy, uh, um, I'm blanking on his name, but uh, he, 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 came, he turned to me. He goes, how do you feel about tankards? You know, those big tankards for soda that they sell. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't need any of those. He goes, well, this is, this is a way to recoup your investment here at, at Bay Area Wizard because this was Rob's. And he handed it to me with all of <laughs> Liefeld's slobber on it. And he's like, sell that on eBay. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, there you go. You can clone a, a Liefeld and it'll you'll come out without feet. Totally, that's exactly. He'll <laughs> come out in I, a pouch. I, I I shit you not. I made that same joke. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that's funny. It was a the Liefeld tankard moment. Here's another thing, and this is the uh, this is the way we measured the relative activity of this show. There was a range of of two extremes. Okay. On the one extreme, so it starts out like all Friday, all you heard was very pleasant, quiet, uh, like Chinese tea, like tea music, you know, really okay. mellow, meditative strings and stuff. Not great for conventions, but it no, was pleasant. not so much, yeah. But it was pleasant, right? But mm-hmm. starting on Saturday, you had an extreme of, well, like I say, Friday night, it started this way. The two extremes were Cato Kalin. I don't know why he was there. And what he was he's signing at for. Every wizard now, like he's their official MC for some reason. So he, so, so one extreme was every day of the show he was drunkenly or something, uh, karaokeing somewhere. So you'd hear mm-hmm. these w- horrible warbling death rattles from somewhere, <laughs> echo- echoing from all the lack of sound baffle in this giant dead hall, right? You just hear him right. singing karaoke over and over and over again. So that was one extreme. And then the other extreme was bellowing sword fights because they had the SCA guys on a stage doing sword battles in full plate. Ah, yeah. So those are the two, those are the two sounds you heard in both of 
both of them echoed. <laughs> it's not, <laughs> not ideal. No. Uh, a couple other things. Uh, at the last minute, I chose to print a an illustration of Baby Yoda that I did. Do you recall I did this the day before the show? I do. And I, and I was debating whether I would bring it because it was a spoiler. And then it was on USA Today. So I thought, okay, I'll bring it. So Baby Yoda... <laughs> Baby Yoda represents 40% of my sales at Wizard Bay Area. <laughs> <laughs> I, was the only, I was one of two people that technically had him, and I was the only, only one who actually had a standalone. One other guy did a did one of those things where, you know, the, the, the type where they just redrew from a from a, another piece of art, so it just oh, looks like yeah. the photo. So you had a thing of the Man- Mandalorian and Baby Yoda together, and, 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 and he had that as some sort of a print, but... I was the only one that had front and center a, a standalone Baby Yoda, and it got a lot of eyeballs. It, I sold some; I almost sold out of it, and I had a number of people come up as because of that, and then talk to me um, about the show and then about other things. So that was very that was very cool. I'm not used yeah. to being at, at the front end of things. It wasn't an attempt to cash in on a on a on a trend, but usually we go to shows and you've got a piece of art that's perfectly aligned with us a celebrity guest that's there. And I'm like, look at my U S one print, you know, (laughs) 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 two very different approaches. (laughs) Yeah. So in in this sense, it worked out. Um, uh, A couple other things I sold, not only my, my uh, eight and a half by 11 uh, version of my Ventress Ewok carnivorous Ewoks piece. Mm -hmm. Again, this was, this was a, a commission. So this is all money ahead, right? This is great. I sold the small one. And then at the end of Saturday, I sold the poster too, so I actually had nice. to peel it off. I had to peel it off the display, and then pull it out of the plastic that it's in, and then put it in another plastic thing to give it to them. So uh, that was super awesome, right? Yeah, and that's then, a very uh, Star Wars heavy show. That's interesting. And there was absolutely no Star Wars presence whatsoever, other than it being yeah. a, uh, obviously, you know, it's part of one of my talking points that I live in Lucas H <laughs> sort of epicenter of Lucas. But I mean, that's obviously a strong yeah, thing true. in the Bay Area. But but it just was like. It was awesome. The people that bought the, the people who bought the big poster and the people who bought the small one, they were not even hardcore Star Wars fans. They knew the pro, they knew the characters, and they knew who Ventress was. So they were in enough, but they weren't mm. like in Mandalorian armor or anything, right? It's not like they were super right. hit, super fans or anything. But anyway, and the last thing I was going to mention is, uh, you and I talked last year about how uh, people occasionally ask us if we have sleeves, like hard sleeves for uh, prints. And oh, yeah. they never do. And and then there are people like we noticed that the there are sometimes at the shows there's someone right by the auto, the autograph area with the celebrities and all they do is sell sleeves and they make mm-hmm. a fortune. And so I bought yes, a bunch of those I bought a bunch of those uh top top loaders because I use them in the displays anyway. And I've brought them before to shows, but I just didn't know what to do with them in terms of right. like, advertising them. I just had a sign that said, you know, like five bucks. Well at this show I was talking to Mike and I, it occurred to me cause I've been so not in the headspace for it, but as I was like, you know, this seems like a natural soft upsell, right? Like I was like, mm-hmm. Mike, if, if someone wants to buy a print, we should always say it comes in the sleeve here, but if you want the, the top loader, we have this for five bucks more. Right. Yeah. Uh, dude, I sold four that way. I sold four <laughs> and, and given the narrow number of print of prints that I sold at the show overall, that's a, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. That's so pretty that's, significant. Yeah, so that's now going to be a part of my thing going forward is always asking if someone wants a top loader with their print order. I just never right did on. it before. Yeah, um, I no get one, that. N- no one came up to me and was like, hey, do you have top loaders? But um, four different people were like, oh, I totally want that harder thing. 
to uh, slip in. <laughs> That's what um, they said, huh? Uh, oh, uh, actually, uh, two more on top of that. Uh, what, uh, one, one is that uh, I had another, I just posted this on the gram, but I had another one of those great situations where someone came along and they wanted something really obscure or they wanted something and no one had it and I had it. He was like, I'm looking for... Uh, some sort of like sexy sailor Mars. And I'm like, oh, really? Ah. <laughs> Error. I got that. I happen to have only one piece of Sailor Moon art, and it's this. And he was he was super stoked. He was like, that's exactly what I wanted. And he walked away. And then uh, and then the last <laughs> thing is I I picked up a really good commission from the show as well. So uh, so anyway, that's uh, cool. ter- terrible attendance, terrible uh, profits, no profits, um, mm-hmm. but a good time with a buddy and uh, and good conversations. And I always find a way to have a good time at shows, and I th- and I hope it showed for uh, friends of the pod uh, and uh, people who do see us at shows at multiple venues. And you know, hopefully, they still got the same tom that they normally would get when around them people were drowning their sorrows or crying or leaving. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, really. But uh, but anyway, so yeah, it it sucked. But you know what? We're gonna make sure that Portland is great, even if we yes. have to bring our own celebrities to it. So I hear you have a in on uh, some voice actors you can recruit. Ha! Ah, sure, why not? <laughs> Something. <laughs> so, uh, so, 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 Mr. Chris, I think this yes. is a, as good a time as any to do our sort of end of the year wrap up. Um, yeah, I think so. Talk about a few things. We. Uh, we planned a little bit for this and we talked bit. about just like last year, we talked about maybe, um, you know, we talked, we, we touch a bit on maybe our favorite things that happened in 2019 and maybe our favorite mm-hmm. things that are going to happen in 2020 in theory. And then, in uh, theory. also maybe a couple of personal high points. Um, I'm hoping that you will totally lead this whole segment. So do it. Okay, sure. <laughs> hey, Tom, Yes. So for 2019, we're going to no. <laughs> yeah. I'm not prepared. Well, let's start with our 2019 favorite top three each stuff. And okay. I, I basically went media on this. Yeah. In fact, too. truth be told, I think all of mine are, are TV shows. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, all mine are TV shows because I didn't see very many movies this year and all of the games what I've played have been older games. So all three of mine are TV shows. Spoiler alert. Yes. Uh, why don't we start with number three, mm-hmm. which for me was a surprise. I didn't expect to like this as much as I did. I ended up loving parts of it and really liking other parts, but that was the Netflix series love death robots oh tell me more because blake was really into that as well i love it it's an anthology film uh series or it's it's a it's not really films there are more episodes uh but each episode is written directed and animated by a different studio so they all have a very different feel to them it's very old school sci-fi anthology feeling it's definitely not for kids it's very adult uh but it's gorgeous some of the episodes the animation some of the best i've seen on on a on a thing in a long time and it's just genuinely a fun series to watch 
Uh, I can't remember how many episodes it is, but it's it's not significant. I think I binged it in like a day and a half or something like that. Uh, but I really enjoyed it. Uh, let, let me bring it up here. So there were... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Actually, there were 18 episodes in the first season, which genuinely surprises me. Uh, but they are all over the place as far as length. They just literally let them go wild with the topic on it. And however long it needed to be, it could be that long. It's a mix of traditional computer animation. There's a little bit of live action stuff in it. Oh, really? And it's really cool. It's very heavy metal. In yeah, I was going to say, it sounded like that. Yeah, it sounds like a very contemporary heavy metal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I really all... like it. Is it all sexy times? In all of them? No, 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 no. No, there's there's a little bit of nudity in maybe three of the episodes. And Mm. that's it. It's just that there is, like, violence and there's swearing and that kind of thing. But I I don't think there's nudity in more than just a couple episodes. What's it called? Love, Sex, and Robots? Love, Death, and Robots. (laughs) Okay. I had waited it in my mind. It's watching those trailers before that I didn't watch. It got me confused. Love, Death, and Robots. Right. Yeah, Love, Death, and Robots. It's I really recommend it. Like Each I'm of the stoked. episodes is like yeah. 10 to 20 minutes. None of them are very long. It's, uh, it's produced by David Fincher. Uh-huh. And it's I really, really like it. I have such a love-hate relationship with anthology series. Because I always want... I'm always afraid that I'm going to like one and then want more of it and I can't have it. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, an anthology gives you a chance to get the most bang for your buck in terms of variety and and uh, different points of view. And and in practical reality, anything past the game stuff for me, it's always going to be anthology, right? Because I don't have mm-hmm. time to do more than that. But uh, I I'm always so uh, I'm always so like like uh, Twilight Zone. I didn't watch when it came, when it was relaunched, and uh, and there was another one that came out in the last four years or so, four or five years that I was afraid to watch because, oh, you know what it was? It took me a long time to get onto Android's Dream because of that. Oh, okay. And then, I haven't and seen then once that I did, either. But... Well, once once I did, I was like, you know, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, I haven't watched any of uh, of uh, uh, Black Mirror. I've seen the first season of Black Mirror. Loved it. I just haven't. It's one of those that you kind of have to be in the mood for because it is kind of generally kind of dystopic and depressing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And this isn't really that. Like, there's a lot of humor in this. Tim Miller technically created the series, and it was originally designed to be a reboot of Heavy Metal. Oh, interesting. So really? it has that absolute vibe to it. Um, I think you'd really like it. I'm kind of shocked you haven't seen any of them. They're all, they're kind of hit and miss depending on your mood and your likes. There are some of them that I have rewatched since I've rewatched the entire series since I watched it originally. And some of them I like more and some of them I like a lot less. It's, it's really well done though, but that's kind of how a lot of those anthologies are too. I agree. Like, yeah, they're, they're hit and miss. There's one or two that I genuinely love usually. And then there's a few that I just kind of sit through. <laughs> right. And I think right. this is a lot stronger than that. 
uh, it's been on my queue for a long time. <laughs> I just, you know, I've just never, I haven't gotten to it. But uh, between you and also uh, beginning again, Blake Simmons talking about it, I know I have mm-hmm. to get on it. Well, they, now you do, yes. Uh, so what is your number three, Tom? Well, uh, <laughs> you have, I have not seen any of Love, Death, and Robots, and mine, you haven't seen any of it either, I think, almost. Um, it was uh, the end of Marvel's Phase 3 and intro into Phase 4. So just as a okay. whole, I thought it was a, just thinking about it in, just stepping back and thinking about mm-hmm. this in scale. I often, I talk a lot about the, what would, what would young Tom think about what we're seeing, right? Yeah. Um, things like Blade Runner and the Star Wars stuff that's come out and all the Marvel movies and just the, the fact that we have this level of quality, but also the level of uh, diversity and it's mm-hmm. the different types of things that we're going to get um, and are getting. It's amazing. And so it's interesting to me to think that in one year we had the big uh, end cap to the whole Marvel experiment from the last decade, right, with Endgame. Mm-hmm. But we also had Captain Marvel, which was – I cannot believe it was in 2019 that we did this all at once. We had Captain Marvel in 2019. <laughs> Black which, Panther was 2019 too, right? I think it was 2018. Maybe it was, was 2019. It? Maybe it was. I, can't I don't know. I don't even know anymore. But the thing is, Captain Marvel was enough. No, you're right. It was like late 2018. Yeah. Yeah, but but, I mean, in a normal world, Captain Marvel was the summer tentpole movie for Marvel, right? That would have been it. It it would have been enough. It was great. (laughs) It's not a perfect movie, but it was great. And it did a lot of things right. And we'll talk about it when you ever see it. That was that was fine for Marvel to just mm-hmm. do Captain Marvel for this for this year, and then they did Endgame, and then they did yeah. Phase Four, Film One, Spider Man, uh, Far From Home. Homecoming, yeah, no, no, F- Far From Home or Far From sequel. Home, yeah. yeah, yeah, which I saw in the theater, and I've now seen three other times because my kids, it's the only Marvel movie that my kids have seen. Oh no, 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 it was one of the only movies. It was the first, it was the first Marvel film that my kids saw. Because someone nice. saw it at a friend's house or whatever, and because we we don't notice it as much as adults, but there's a lot of yeah, there's violence and stuff in these Marvel movies. You, you shelter your kids a lot; it's fine. No, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, but anyway, the point is uh, they saw that, and then and then and then Mateo's second Marvel movie was Endgame at a friend's house on a oh, sleepover. Oh, jeez, not great. That's an intense one for the yeah. I got the phone call. Dad, uh, Iron Man's dead. <laughs> like, <yeah. laughs> I was like, you should have like, been like, what? What? I was like, I haven't heard this. I said, I said, I just told him, I said, life is pain. You don't forget the floss. But uh, anyway, so uh, yeah. So anyway, I just thought it was just astounding that in one year we had the end of so much and the beginning of so much. And that the transition between the end and the beginning was so much <laughs> yeah. all in one year and with a very high level of quality. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's an excellent pick. I was going to put Endgame on here, but I just uh, I just decided not to. I like right, it a then. lot, but I like you put it, it's part of a whole. And so I just decided not to do it with that. But the way you did that is perfect. Yeah, I that's agree exactly completely. Right. Yeah, it was a it, it was a collection that I was after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a solid way of looking at it. Uh, so my number two is what we do in the shadows. 
Oh, the TV series. The TV series, which is I have amazing. Not seen it yet. I love it. I it is. Wait. I it captures the mood and the theme and the attitude of the movie in such a perfect way. And yet they twist it on its side. They add some new elements to it that actually make it even better, which I yeah. didn't expect would be possible. And I've like every single episode was an absolute delight that I saw of that. I can't wait. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I highly recommend checking it out. If you like the original, especially. I can't wait too Cause I did. And, uh, <laughs> What I found interesting was just just sort of reading about it and looking at some of the stuff was that they managed to make it new and yet familiar at the same time, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like, it's got all the same DNA. Jermaine's working on it. Uh, What's his name? Like, it's it's really solid. It's got some fun cameos that are legitimately fun. Uh, Yeah, I really like it. So that was my number two. What is your number two? Uh, well, let's see. So my number two, <laughs> it's very topical. <laughs> I don't know. It, 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 I guess this is what happens when you've had a, a year where there's been so much stuff happening for so long that you <laughs> you can't even remember it. And also, it's, it's in our culture, right? It's in our politics. It's right. in our culture. It's like, I can't remember last week because every day is a new crisis or drama. But yeah, so yeah. I'm very I'm very focused on the now at the moment. Um, cause it's a good time to be enjoying media in December mm-hmm. of 2019. Uh, <laughs> so my, my number two is the Mandalorian, which you have not started, but, um, yeah, there, there's a bit of a backlash against this from some people. I think that was to be expected since Disney plus was such a huge thing and it launched on this and it's the first yeah. star Wars, star Wars live action thing. So there's going to be a lot of, of that, but mm-hmm. I got to tell you, man, it is what it's supposed to be. It is a spaghetti western. Ser- it's a serialized, but done in largely done in one spaghetti western in Star Wars, and it's fucking great. And it's got the budget. <laughs> it's got the movie budget. It's got the, you know, the the cinematography. It's got an incredible uh, list of directors uh, and stars. The effects work is great. The design That's work what I've is heard. great. Yeah. And yet, and this is what I really want to talk to you more about when you see it, there's a heavy amount of practical effects, and that includes puppetry. And that's what I've heard. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's (laughs) on the day that Carol Spinney dies, right? (laughs) But I mean, you know, it's it's a, it's a big deal. It's a big deal that the show is leaning in so heavily on the practical effects for, for spacey mounts, you know, creatures and, uh, little animatronic creatures and various things where, and droids and stuff where it would have been less expensive to do it digitally, and they did it. and And you see the artifice of it, right? They move as complex as they are today. You still can mm-hmm. see the animatronic versus the fluidity of a CGI one. And and nice. And and the animate and that that um that imperfection of the animatronic is endearing to me. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Like I yeah, love that I I'm seeing completely. that. Do you, you know yeah. how like when you you know how when you when you go back and you watch like Empire Return of the Jedi and you see the Yoda puppet, and I guess again in in last in Last Jedi, and then you compare that to the CGI Yoda in the prequels and how you can con- totally accept the the puppet Yoda 
not just nostalgia wise even in last jedi you can accept the yoda puppet you see that it's a puppet but you enjoy it right yeah uh, and you and you lose something when it's all digital and it's like that with the mandalorian but anyway it's just it's not any particular thing about the show it's the fact that it exists and that they chose this particular uh uh genre to tell their story and this subject matter it's mm-hmm. It's a lot of what I've asked for as an adult Star Wars fan. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like the two things I've wanted is you know bounty hunter, bounty hunter, and underworld stuff not not directly connected to Skywalker shit. There mm-hmm. we are, we got it, and more Rogue One stuff. Mil- yeah. You know, the big picture uh, Rebels versus Empire, but not Skywalker shit again. And we're gonna <laughs> get that, and we're gonna get that too. So I mean, yeah, you know, it's fucking great. Anyway, there you go. <laughs> I want to talk more about it so much, but you got to watch it, and then we'll do that. In, in, tw- <laughs> right. in 2032. In tw- yeah, really. I'm going to watch it as soon as I can justify it. I, yeah, I can't too. afford to, to keep subscribed to it. So once once it's all done, maybe we'll can maybe we'll drop, I don't know, Netflix for a month and watch that instead or something. Well, yeah, we'll do one of those things where – because we, we have a segment on uh, – second viewings as well and so or mm-hmm. or revisiting pro- projects and so yes when you when you have a chance to watch it i'll probably rewatch it and then we'll talk about it <clears> at the same time all right so number yep. one sir yes sir your number one thing you saw or did nope. or enjoyed uh yep. mine yep was stranger things season three ah good one Except i for really all- really liked the third season Except for all the design work, and uh, I mean, dude, what the mind the mind huh? flare was the mind flare was just a giant glob of of, uh, of was, like sin- sinus tissue. I loved him. I, I thought really? he was great. I loved the yeah the pieces of bone sticking out of it and like identifiable body parts morphing in and out as it was yeah, moving. Yeah. I really well, that, liked it. I thought it was goofy and gross and fun. Well, I mean, definitely the fact that it was being it was interdimensional uh, 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 visitor, so it was forming its body from the remnants of its hosts. That part, I totally that connection to the thing, I totally got. But mm-hmm. there was something about the 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 superstructure that was not as dynamic as the way the Demogorgon was, and I just wanted more to it. But it's interesting though, as a whole, that was a really great season with a lot of really great so imagery. Too. It stands out to it. It stands out more than season two did in terms of mm-hmm. like thinking about it in your mind, right? You could see. I think it's the mall. significantly better than the second season. Yeah, because of the mall, right? You could see it in your mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, I get. Yeah. It. Yeah. So that it was, was, and that was a hard one for me to pick because I nothing was like hugely stand out for me, but I legitimately remembered enjoying every aspect of stranger things season three this time so i'll i'll take it <laughs> well, what what i was going to ask you was there, what was your bet what was your favorite thing about season three uh just the the story isn't the strongest part of it certainly but i think that everybody in it's coming into their own they've got their personalities locked in they all had something to do Right, which was not normal. Um, I like the new characters, uh, the location at the mall, the whole the Russian thing, the way 
Hopper was the dad. I, I thought some of that was just great. I really enjoyed it. I really like Robin. Yeah, Robin's awesome. I love it. I think I think um, this. I, it was really. Def- I mean, it's, hmm. all of the Stranger Things were defined by their set and and by their mm-hmm. setting, but it leaned so much more into the. I, I've said that too much. It was relying so much more on the nostalgia gimmick, and yet, even more than any of the other ones, and yet, it was still it was absolutely distinct. Like in your mind's eye, it wasn't mm-hmm. like gold. I, I watched the Goldbergs and we like it fine, but you mm-hmm. always get that. You always have that feeling. You're like, okay, <laughs> today it's going to be rock'em sock'em robots. Right. And that's going to be yeah, the episode. Right. Yeah. Like Stranger yeah, Things was, was weighed heavily, but it didn't rely on it too much. Yeah. It felt more like you were living in the world rather than it was a tribute to the world. Yes. And particularly in the third season, I think they did a much better job at making it not a character in it, which is what they do so often when it's nostalgia based is they make the setting a character yes. instead of making it feel real. Yes, 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 yes. I think that's a, I think that's a great way of putting it. So what's your uh, number one, sir? Well, uh, so again, keeping with the theme of being focused on the now, my number one's Watchmen. Uh, ah, see, I, I, yeah, all right. Ah, my wife and I both argued about whether or not I should make that on my top three because I've only seen the first what four episodes, and so right. I refused to put it on my top three because I hadn't seen enough of it. I yet. understand. Well, but otherwise, it would s- be there. All I can say is, uh, just going in, I thought that they had a really. I thought that, I thought it was. Um, big shoes to fill. Do you know what I mean? Like it was going to be a really mm-hmm. tough nut to try to tackle Watchmen again, which is like we thought was pretty much in, unfilmable out of the context <laughs> of being a lifetime lifetime comics historian. You can't get Watchmen. So why would you think a, 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 a media transference to the mainstream audience would ever work? Right. And they're going to mm-hmm. do it again. Plus you have, you have uh Lindelof who is famous for starting big and then, and then ending, uh, with a thud and uh technically not over yet so he's still got a chance (laughs) you're right you're right and as we were to soon find out as you get started they dove headfirst into some really controversial and difficult thematic Mm -hmm. material and some really interesting choices for it too yeah and i mean at a time when uh weiss and benioff were laughed out of the room when they were trying to develop the confederacy show on hbo (laughs) and then here's and then here's a writer's room uh, that is, again, it's uh, it's about 50-50 male-female, and there's a lot of diversity in the room. Mm-hmm. But it's still covering some of the worst racism in American modern American history, and it's covering it in, in brutal detail. Yeah. And, and they're doing that in the first three minutes of a superhero show. So anyway, <laughs> the, the reason, I think the reason it's on my list is... Uh, is that it's transcending itself. Like I'm mm-hmm. loving Watchmen for being a Watchmen story, but I'm also yeah. loving it as being an incredibly ambitious and creative way of, of doing a sequel, uh, but also doing its own thing, but being in continuity. It's very close continuity to the comics, not the movie, mm-hmm. 
but at the same time being wildly different than the comics. Like I, my mind sometimes spins at how, what they're juggling and how well they're doing it. Um, and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and also the very, very challenging thematic material. Um, there's some stuff it's, in a few up. Ep- yeah, but, it's, it is, it's, it's really is like genuinely challenging for them to have pulled off the way they did with the, the themes in this. Yeah, and you know, there's some stuff in the episodes that you're gonna um, uh, get to that are gonna blow your mind in terms of what they re- recontextualize certain things. And you're just like, <laughs> I cannot believe you've done this. Um, so anyway, and also it's another uh, really interesting soundtrack. You know how I feel about soundtracks. Oh yeah, Mandalor- and I should have mentioned that about Mandalorian as well. Um, we have an upcoming episode that you and I we've been talking about. We want to do where how does music uh, make the show right? Well, Mandalorian has not only incredible music made for the show, but not derivative of Star Wars. Oh, but interesting. They ha- but they have a soundtrack for every episode. So if you go nice. to like Apple Music, you can download the episodes soundtrack and there's new mm. new songs for each one, which is just it's so good. But Watchmen also interesting because it has a great soundtrack, but also it's it's Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. So it's the 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 pedigree here about who's doing this music just is astonishing and the only complaint i have is that uh they do that thing where they incorporate dialogue and stuff into the soundtrack and i hate that like mm. i don't want to hear yeah. i don't want to hear i don't want to hear clips from the from the show i just want to hear the music so i have to kind of spice it up but but anyway anyway it's it's great it's another one where the the soundtrack to the show is is helping to define it in a way so i just love it cool I still love it. Let's hope I don't hate it at the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about catching up with that eventually here too because what we saw of it was just awesome, amazing, really interestingly filmed at times, right? And just it was great. Yeah. All right. So Excellent what about choice, what's what's our, what's our next section? Uh, I think we should talk about what we're excited to see in the coming year. All right, then. This was harder. I thought so, too. And amusingly, it's a lot more movie-focused and not really TV-focused at all. Because there's not a lot of TV stuff that I'm excited about coming up. That's very interesting, and I totally disagree with you. (laughs) Well, why don't you give us your number three first? All right, then. Uh, So... Two of my three are TV. <laughs> so, uh, okay. So I think it's going to be a really exciting year because of Disney plus. Disagree. So no, just we, <laughs> that's a great strong hard, hard pass. Uh, so in 2020 and then of course beyond, and I've lost track of what's actually happening in this coming year versus you're the year only now. allowed to talk about what's coming out this coming year, Tom, we just don't know. But my point is <laughs> in this coming year, now that they've launched it, we have a number of original Star Wars properties in live action coming to Disney Plus with big budgets and a number of Marvel MCU properties coming to Disney Plus with big budgets. And what an interesting and uh, optimistic time because of that. I mean, there are so many projects they've already announced that I'm looking forward to, but there's also stuff on the fringes that they start to talk about. And I'm like, I can't believe they're doing this. And I can't believe they're going to do... They're going to give it to you for that same, you know, X number of dollars a month. Like mm-hmm. they're not getting any more money out of you. 
that's what just blows me away about this this uh, delivery system. If they were to take any of these projects and make a film out of it, it's going to be a billion dollar film or whatever it is. Let's say five hundred million dollar film. Uh, mm-hmm. But but instead they're going to do it on seven dollars a month ongoing for you know I think right now they're at about fourteen million subscribers and then they're going to get to uh, probably uh, twenty five million by the end of the year. Net- Netflix has like. Netflix has 75 million subscribers. So sure, the, the, the numbers do add up. It's going to be profitable for them. But I just can't believe all these properties could have been converted into, they could have been done as films and they would have made a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they do it as a live action show on this streaming channel just blows me away. So I'm just excited in general for that. Uh, the two that I'm most excited about are the uh, Rogue One prequel with Cassie Nandor and k2so not sure if it's going to be a ready in time for 2020 or not but i it may be and then the other one which i'm pretty sure is not going to be ready in time but i'm still going to say it they finally because we haven't talked about it yet they finally listened to uh, robot kraken and agreed that they should do a live action moon knight so they're going to do it Hmm. and i just did you not did you not hear that not that it was official no Uh, oh my god dude so i I have no idea on disney huh yeah, I don't know whether it's going to hmm. be good or. I know where you're going with that. Like, it's not going to be violent enough. But yeah, but, Moon Knight's uh, not a calm show. <laughs> it's it is not, but uh, its its pedigree is good. I mean, it's um it's being uh it's being developed by uh, Jeremy Slater, who uh, did the adaptation for the Umbrella Academy, and has uh, a number of really great. Uh, writing and directing uh, names attached to it. And I think it's, they haven't said anything about what it's going to be, what version of Moon Knight or anything, but just the fact that we live in a world where (laughs) a live action Moon Knight is not only going to happen, but it's like, you know, it's down the road. Like that they've already, they felt comfortable already telling you it's there and they've got other stuff to do. I I just think that's astounding. Interesting. Yeah. According to Imdaba, uh, in August of 2019, it was reported that Shia LaBeouf was being considered for the role of Moon Knight. What do you think about that, Tom? <laughs> I I would allow it, but I don't think that's actual happen. cannibal Shia LaBeouf. Actual cannibal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Interesting. What's yeah, I legitimately hadn't heard. I must have just missed that or blocked it out because I have a hard time seeing that type of thing succeeding on Disney Plus. But I don't know, I've been wrong before. Once or twice. I don't think it has to succeed. I mean, I just, I don't think it's about whether it succeeds or not. I just love that it exists. I just love that. That's true. I love that they're taking the chances that they're taking that they would have in their first slate of live action shows in the Marvel side that they're going to do a genre busting, timey wimey, weird ass uh, Vision and Scarlet Witch series. (laughs) Right, like that. Yeah, that looks so weird. I don't know how I feel about that, but it looks interesting. Well, I, you know, the, I was talking to someone else at the show actually about that. I said, you know, the fact that the main thing you could say about it is that it's weird and interesting is probably pretty good news. Yeah, right? no, that's true. Given how much yeah. we see that doesn't at all follow those uh, rules. <laughs> anyway, all right. So uh, my number three is. Uh, I don't know how I feel about this. I'm, 
I'm excited about it, but I'm also nervous about it. Okay. Uh, they are coming out with an adaptation of the Roald Dahl 1983 book, The Witches. Ah. And it's coming out in October. It's directed by Robert Zemeckis and written by Robert Zemeckis. Huh. And stars Anne Hathaway, Stanley Tucci, and Octavia Spencer. Huh. Which is a really interesting cast. Very much. I so. loved the uh, original one, the 1980. 1980- nine or whatever it was 1990 um i love that one with angelica houston i think it's really great but i i'm a big Roald doll fan from growing up like he was one of my favorite writers and the witches is a really interesting take on witches so i don't know i'm i'm intrigued by it let's huh. say i'm hoping it'll be good oh it was 1990 for the original one and that I didn't one see it. was directed by nicholas roeg and it had uh all the special effects were done by the henson crew jim henson and those guys so that's why i watched it but it had a great cast it was angelica houston rowan atkinson jane horrocks uh just a really great crew in the original one but the new one should be interesting i love zemeckis i don't know if i've liked any of his more recent stuff which is a little concerning because, like, Welcome to Marwin looked awful. Uh, <laughs> oh, was that the one uh, with uh, Steve Carell painting miniatures? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. The, the, it seemed like going back to our anthology thing. It did seem like it was going to be the that would be an anthology episode, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not a feature yeah. film. Yeah, yeah. It looked terrible, but I don't know. I'm still <laughs> hopeful about it. It's on my. It's. Of the movies I was looking at, it's one of I what I basically what I did was I made a list of like fifteen things and then started whittling it down by what ones I was most interested in seeing. Fair enough. Not necessarily excited, but interested. Sure. And that no, no, one I get that. hit the point there for me. I get it. What's your number two, Tom? You know, I didn't rank these. I just wrote them down. <laughs> I don't know. If... Yeah, my I didn't either. I'm I'm winging it. All right. Uh <laughs> I think though ranking wise, this is probably my number one anyway. Um, I'm super down. So, so again, my uh, my last two are not uh, not technically 2020. They are looking forward to as of today. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. But they'll bleed into 2020. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, my, one of my, my one of my favorite properties ever, The Expanse, uh, season four on Amazon launches in a few days. And yeah, I'm I just so... saw the trailer uh, pop up on on uh, the front of a show I was watching for that season. I'm so excited. I... You need to. Uh, I have lost track. I think you're behind on both. Like you, I am. This... I have seen the first two seasons of it. All right, but on the so books, far. how far on the books are you? I haven't read the books at all. Oh, okay. So what you need to do is uh, uh, just start listening to all the audiobooks, all of them. Then go back I... and watch all the TV. I don't, really, we'll be, watch, we I don't really listen to audiobooks. I I can read three times faster, so when I listen to audio, it's almost always nonfiction. Which oh, is I get weird. It. Okay. I don't know. I was just thinking about you, you know. doing your al- your alchemy and stuff, and then you have to listen to. Nah, uh, we usually listen to music when we're making candles and stuff because that's we we get off on tangents and we have to count and track time and temperatures and stuff, so no, you can't really it. pay attention to things. <laughs> I feel you. I the audiobooks have uh, been 
uh, instrumental for me in, in actually getting anything in my body because I haven't had time to pick up a book in so long. And I only recently have been able to do that, but being able to listen to the thing when I'm in the car or on the bike has been amazing. So, so that's what I've been doing, but, but anyway, so expanse the new season, they are adapting, uh, primarily adapting one book. They're bringing a little bit of another book in, but it's primarily focused on a book that is a, a uh, digression from most of what that series is about in the sense that expanse has been all about space stuff. And that book is a colonization story. And so Mm -hmm. this season will be about colonizing. And uh, anyway, as usual, it's just amazing to see how they visually interpret things that we've read and how well they've done. But I'm just so, so thankful that uh, Amazon picked up the show and funded it and that they're still going strong because there's some stuff. Yeah. There's some stuff ahead of us in the book, in ahead of the series in the books that I cannot wait to see live action. And I'm hoping that it keeps going and gets there. So this will be continuing done such on. an excellent job at doing a hard sci-fi with the gloss of like a modern television. It's just such an impressive job that they've done. Yeah. I really think that, um, and when you, and you read uh, interviews with, with the uh, producer, he's got a, uh, I forget his name, but he's got a uh, history with, uh deep space nine and then he did a ton of csi he did like 10 years of csi and but he but he was a scientist in in his uh in his original trade and so when he came back to television and or or whatever when he transitioned into this project one of the things that excited him was being able to uh, do a hard sci-fi approach to physics pseudo physics and stuff and he really gets it you know just listening to him talk he really gets why that's important and he will freely admit that the Bowser Galactica series is its closest genetic relative on TV right um, yeah yeah that's the thing like this is all the sci-fi stuff I never really liked growing up but oh, I've yes. come to appreciate as I've gotten older and they've never really captured that type of hard sci-fi in any real effective manner until Battlestar and Expanse well, yeah, like he says in a recent interview, it's like 2001, then Battlestar, right? In yeah. terms of pseudo, pseudo-physics and trying to give you a sense of uh, experience. Um, I, I just imagine you growing up that if it didn't have Deja Thoris in it, you weren't into it. <laughs> I did like it a lot pulpier, certainly. <laughs> I was the same way with fantasy, honestly. Like, I like light fantasies, not like Lord of the Rings and Wheel of Time and that kind of thing. Like, I like the, the lighter easier stuff that's interesting you say that i wonder i don't know where i fall because i found lord of the rings and it's ilk uh impenetrable mm-hmm. but and but i did read a lot of fantasy i just didn't read so i probably probably fairly well aligned with yours i don't know if i would call it light, yeah. just not i wasn't reading about the the as much as you know, I love to talk about logistics. I wasn't reading about the logistics of a uh, supply train to get troops over the mountains to fight the orcs or whatever. I didn't have any interest. So in what, uh, who were your favorite fantasy writers? Then? Um, I think, uh, if I remember right, his name was Joel Rosenberg. Does that sound right hmm. to you? Here, let me look That's, that up. Uh, that doesn't sound familiar to me, but that means let nothing. Me, let me make sure I've got the right guy. Joel rosenberg i'm just uh speaking to the orb right now he is an author yes 
Uh, Joel Rosenberg appears to write thrillers primarily. That doesn't seem right. Right now, anyway. Um, hmm. Oh, the last jihad, the seventh Islam. <laughs> Holy moly! Um, so, based on this bibliography, not mm-hmm. the same guy. <laughs> Political literature and Christian literature, not the same guy at all. So oh this is the my. podcast where I identified a writer that I really don't. Uh... <laughs> all right, here, hold on. Inspirational thrillers about jihads, huh? No, that is not, a different. Uh... That's a different fantasy than I read growing up, Tom. <laughs> uh, that's definitely not what I was into. Okay. Um. So I read a lot of like like what I consider light fantasy is like Lawrence Watt Evans, uh, Esther Freisner, um, Carl Aspirin, Terry Pratchett, Craigshaw Gardner. I read almost none of Terry Pratchett, but I've heard all about his work. Hmm. I feel like you would like Terry Pratchett. Oh, interesting. Uh, Jefferson Mays is the the narrator on the Expanse novels. Um, I listened to something else he narrated, and I did like his narration quite a bit, actually. Um, I seem to recall. I, I can't. I can't visualize it right now, but I seem to recall. I liked. I liked it. Okay, he had a bit of a. He enunciates a lot. Had a bit of a mm. aristocratic kind of sound to a lot of what he would say. Um, the guy, I'm blanking on it right now, but the guy who does most of Neil Stevenson's stuff is the high high benchmark for audiobook uh, narrators. And anytime I'm listening to anyone that's not him, I'm irritated. Like, I've been going through the Star Wars books, and it's driving me nuts because they're not... In, in all deference to your pal Timothy Zahn, I'm enjoying the Thrawn novels, but, you know, they're not... They're aimed at a certain audience, and they're not incredibly sophisticated pieces of literature. The... Yeah. The narrators add that pulp stuff to it. So everything is just mm. this and that and this and that. And then there's so many superlatives in the writing. Everything right. is in extremes and it gets a little exhausting. Yeah, the bulk of the, the narration on the Stevenson stuff was by Simon Preble and uh, somebody else. Who was the other guy? Kevin Pariso, it looks like, were the two guys that did the bulk of narration on those ones for the most part and then an oliver wyman hmm, interesting i've gotten to know narrators with as many audiobooks as i listen to particularly with nonfiction, because man a bad narrator can ruin a book <laughs> <laughs> I, I there's a one narrator that's read a book that was primarily about plagues and sicknesses throughout the ages, which is a topic I'm really intrigued by. I think it's really interesting to listen to them, listen to how they solved them, the symptoms, that type of thing. And the way she read the book, it was unlistenable. And you could tell every time she stepped away from the microphone, because when she would come back, her narration would start like this, and then she would get back to a normal speaking level. Oh. And it was so fucking annoying. <laughs> uh, you know, I was looking at my bookshelf just now, and everything is science fiction. 
right? Like all the fantasy that books that I actually read. Me, to be honest. <laughs> well, the the fantasy books that I read, I didn't keep or I, or I didn't have yeah. them when I was starting to collect hardbacks. Um, See, and that was my thing with sci-fi is I read a lot of sci-fi, but I checked it out from the library almost exclusively. I never bought any sci-fi. Except for, I've got a lot of Ray Bradbury, but he's kind of a mix between the two. Um, that's a fair point. <laughs> yes. Um, I did read, uh, I read, I, I read a series called the, uh, the air, like they include a book called like the air apparent and, uh, master and apprentice and a few other. Huh. So this is one of our really great examples of where we have a high level of detail and quality in our podcasting. I'm going to continue. Yes. I can't find the reference. Okay. And as soon as I, I could have sworn it was Joel Rosenberg, but it's not man. Drive me nuts. Okay, so the this this series that I read was it started as a, the first book in the series was uh, we may have talked about it before, but it was a group university group who were playing Dungeons and Dragons. Right? They didn't call mm -hmm. it that, but that's what it was. Right. Dungeon Master starts playing. Something happens, and they all get sucked in. Right. That's okay. the basic. That's that's the elevator pitch. Right. Role playing gamers sucked into the world they were gaming. But they land. They land in the world, like literally fall into the world, into different areas, and immediately are faced with a harsh reality that's not the 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 amusing, glittery gleam of casual Dungeons and Dragons, right? Like okay. one guy, the guy that was playing a thief, fucks up in a bar and immediately gets killed, right? And then okay. and but they're all they're they're real people these the university students that were playing. And so when he died, that's like a big deal to them. Like it wasn't just like his character died. He died. Right. So they, okay. like it was a constant theme that that was like poor, poor Rob was just, was just killed in that bar. And that's, and it's taken, it takes itself very, very seriously. Um, another one of the, one of the female players was, um, was sexually assaulted and enslaved. And they soon discover that, this this God, fantasy kingdom so familiar to me this and fantasy cannot... kingdom yeah the primary uh industry in this fantasy kingdom is slavery and it becomes a story about trying to incite a rebellion against slavery and so the main guy carl oh, huh. that's how i'll be able to find out I'll, I'll look up the name his name is carl Kulinane. Kulinane. carl Kulinane. uh well he's a research director that's not <laughs> <laughs> uh fantasy novel boy this is this is hard-hitting podcasting guardians of the flame joel rosenberg what i told you it's joel rosenberg goal. okay what did i say before uh paul i think no well listen uh whatever i said before don't read the christian political stuff and instead read <laughs> guardians <laughs> of the flame so it, it yeah we were looking it, for oh no did you say Joel Rosenberg I did because I'm still coming up with the same Joel Rosenberg again or did you say Paul Rosenberg not Joel Rosenberg so maybe the same guy dove deep and then maybe maybe, maybe he's it's one of those things it's like uh, what's his name with Ender's Game right and became uh, something very there's different Joel C Rosenberg. And Joel Rosenberg, two very, very different authors. <laughs> well, I don't know if so this is Joel the same Rosenberg or not. is a chubby bearded Canadian 
who wrote a bunch of fantasy stuff back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. That's our huh. kind of guy. Yeah. So, well, I don't know. This may or may not be the same guy. And again, uh, going back to... I think it to, is, because there's not going really back the to Prisoner the... of Zenda. I remember reading that. Yeah, I totally read some of his books. I liked his stuff. Well, I mean, the, the Ender's Game example is a good one that, you know, they were great great authors at a period and you like their books and all of a sudden they became homophobic and irrational and you you know stop reading but (laughs) anyway guys tom we're good we're safe but this was but i mean even as a as a younger reader (laughs) i was delighted that what was very clearly the first pitch book was role players in their own world right role players forced into the reality of their role-playing game and how it's how if you get serious about imagining the vividness pseudo-realistic world of a fantasy setting um it's it could be dangerous and scary right and i thought yeah. that was an exciting premise but then it morphs over a number of books into this whole thing about how do these guys affect change on that scale mm-hmm. like how how do you just it's not just going on quests and collecting gold how do you defeat a, a an entire society that's built on slavery right yeah. yeah and so one of the guys who was one of the engineering students he immediately goes, I mean, it's awesome, but you know, like the engineering student immediately sets, he disappears. He was a wizard, right? He disappears. And then when he reappears, he's been like cooking up gunpowder and stuff like that. So he introduces, uh, he basically brings blunderbusses and shit forward by, you know, nice a thousand pseudo years of history. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's a swords and sorcery world. And all of a sudden he's bringing in, uh, explosives and, uh, ballistic firearms and stuff. And it's just, <laughs> that kind of stuff it's these these people do not lose it's not like those stories where the longer they're there the more they forget the world they were from this is one where they still remember who they were and what they knew and so they're starting to apply apply that to what they were doing it's a little about me and me and my fantasy history yeah all right, so we could your... we could literally fill an entire podcast with books we read in the eighties. <laughs> Three fourths of them would be ones that we just don't remember very well. <laughs> I love it. That one with that one guy. Yeah, something was, something where, where was slimy. Was sword. Yeah. Uh, so my number two is that what we're on? Yes. Two. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Two uh, is not a film or TV show. Okay. It is the remake of Destroy All Humans. Okay. So Come that on. was a science fiction game set in 1959, and it came out for the PlayStation 1 back huh. in 2005. And they have, uh, THQ has gone in and completely recreated the game. But this is the funnest game, because you play a little gray alien... And you've got your flying saucer, and you're just cruising around killing hick farmers and stealing cows to perform experiments on. And you have all sorts of wacky guns, like the gravity ray, where you can pick up farmers and throw them against fences. It's all very <laughs> tongue-in-cheek. It's got like great like 1950s uh, sci-fi music and... Oh, yes. It's it's legitimately fun. Uh, so it's one of the few games I've played that has like where the humor actually clicks uh-huh. the way it's yeah. supposed to, and right, right. it's just had a really great visual aesthetic to it. And the remake that they're coming out with in early 2020 looks 
really good. Like they've completely remodeled everything. So all the graphics are gorgeous on it. And he's super cool looking. It's very Mars Attacks. Oh, man. I'm, I'm it's as close as you can get to Mars to Tim Burton's Mars Attacks in the video game. Yeah, I, just, <laughs> I looked it up, and I'm totally there. It, yeah, when, I think you would love it, honestly. When is it? Uh, when is it? When does it launch? It's, it everything like... I've seen just says early 2020. Yeah, Q1, Q2. It says here. Yeah. Huh. Well, guess what? I'll be there with you. Heck yeah, I will. Uh, I'll, I'll shoot up. Uh, I'll shoot up cattle farmers with you if you. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun? I think it looks oh, like a gosh. blast. So, yeah, that's... Uh, I forgot that this was coming out until I was looking through my list of stuff, and I was like, oh, that has to be on my list because it looks super fun. That's awesome. Yeah. And good on you for bringing that video game to it. Yeah. We we like video games. It's just that we're old people who would never get to play them anymore. Well, but you at least sit down and play like Fallout. Like I love the concept of it, but I couldn't even imagine having the time to do that. I don't have kids, so it's a lot easier with me. Um, yeah, like we actually, I've um, I've been playing the remake that they did of Link's Awakening. Oh, interesting! And it's really huh. good. Hmm. It's they they remade it. Did you ever play that one? It was like on the. Mm-mm. Nintendo Game Boy 3DS or something like that. It was one of the oh, no. kind of those mid-range ones. Uh-uh. Um, the remake of it is gorgeous. It almost looks like claymation. It's very animated-y looking. Oh, Everything's wow. got this little like plasticky shine to it. It kind of looks like like brand new toys you're playing with. It's really oh, interesting. Cool. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Well, uh, my kids are finally on video games. My wife slowly, slowly, slowly lost the battle, right? Like she lost the war in a series of very small skirmishes and she didn't realize it was happening. But um, She should have the, known she would lose the war eventually. There. Well, she knew. But I mean, we, op- <laughs> we opened the door with Minecraft. And so they played Minecraft for a lot. And then pretty soon I, I allowed uh, Need for Speed so we could get into uh, ir- uh, irresponsible high-speed uh, uh, law enforcement evasion. And then... Excellent. Uh, and then, and then, because I really wanted to race with my son, I had to look mm-hmm. around for split screen racing, which doesn't exist anymore. Like no one does it, right? It's all no, on- they don't. Like, it's all online, and it's yeah. really frustrating. Oh, totally frustrating! And so I finally, I picked a few. Like a uh, uh, Gran Turismo Sport is a is a is a split screen, and I didn't know what was going to happen because Gran Turismo is on the. It's definitely on the uh, far end of. You know, simulator, not arcade, like really challenging mm, to yeah. not just spin out, right? And so I was like, well, this isn't going to go well. But I downloaded it and uh, and we started playing it. And I tried sort of tried to teach my son, like, ease off in the corners and drift, and, you know. And so uh, we played that. And then also uh, he plays, we eased into Battlefront 2, <laughs> Star Wars. <laughs> I insisted to my wife that we were only doing a, a laser sword fighting. And then okay. she comes in from uh, like, groceries whatever and he's sitting there machine gunning clone troopers and she's like what you know so (laughs) or no you know what it was is he was using the uh yeah or maybe he was using chewbacca's big uh uh crossbow gun and he was just basically decapitating clone troopers or whatever and so yeah things got uh got accelerated bowcaster (laughs) yeah bowcaster that's awesome but anyway, that's about it. So, okay, uh, my third 
is uh, not very not very original, but I have to say, I am looking forward to seeing the rise of Skywalker just to end the okay the big the big screen Star Wars uh, trilogy of trilogies hoopla. Yeah, because yeah. I want to see it. I haven't even I only watched one trailer and then I black you know sort of blacked out on it, mm-hmm. but. I like the spectacle of Star Wars movies in the theater at the Alamo where we go. And also, mm, I just like yeah. the idea that for, for all of its strengths and weaknesses, and I think it's going to be a good, it'll be fun. But regardless, it closes the door on that world of mm-hmm. Star Wars and allows the, them the freedom to start telling other stories that don't have those people in them. And that's what I'm really looking forward to. Because if I had my druthers... And I'm old enough to say druthers. I would like all the other Star Wars stuff to be other things in this giant sandbox and not, you know, the most important Jedi fighting the most important Imperial bad guys. You know, I want all the other stuff. So, yeah, this movie, yeah, this movie existing allows that to happen. Yeah, I'm I I agree with that. I'm down with that. Cool. Thank you for I... validating me. I'm genuinely excited about that movie too, but I did not put it on my list, but I, it does look really good. I've, I've like you, I've only seen the one trailer and I've kind of tried to avoid the bulk of other stuff about it because I just don't want to know. Yeah. Right. But it's hard. Yeah, it really is. It's way, t- way harder than it should be. Honestly, it really is. To avoid that nonsense. But... I mean, like like we said about the Avengers thing. Remember, we were talking about after Infinity War, like how are they going to market Endgame when all the characters are dead, and you know, you and I know they're going to come back. But how could they possibly market without ruining how spoiling how it's going to happen? And we remember yeah. we talked about the idea that well, how about they just don't market? How about they just do fuck all and then just release the movie, and they'll still make a billion dollars because it's yeah, Marvel. and they yeah, I mean help that's themselves. exactly it. You could literally put a movie out in the theater with zero announcements and people would still flock to it. And they might even more so because they, the whole social media thing would explode if they did something like that. Can you imagine if it was just star Wars film coming December and that's it? Yeah. Just black, yeah. just black. Yeah. Oh, it just the scroll. And it just oh says gosh. blah, blah, blah. <laughs> the end. <laughs> <laughs> the star Wars is a thing that's happening. Yeah. Well, all right. So what's your third one? Uh, my top pick for 2020 that I'm excited about is Death on the Nile, oh, which dude. is the yeah. sequel to Murder on the Orient Express. I'm it, down with it. I loved that movie. I thought it was gorgeous. Oh, yeah. I, it had that like perfect retro feel to it. Totally. And now it's that only in Egypt. I can't mm-hmm. wait to see what Egypt looks like in this movie because they totally. really captured that era so well. Do you remember? Um, it's, do you remember in the first one when they at the end of it when they're like, "Sir, important telegram." Yeah, <laughs> you gotta go to Egypt or whatever. I, I, you know, I'm sure you and I were a, in the minority of people in the, the-, the theater would be like fist pumping, like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, right." <laughs> that's what I needed. <laughs> Well, and it's funny, like, the cast is great, again. It's not as all-star, but it's got uh, Rose Leslie, who's yeah. uh, Igrette from oh, yes. Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Army Hammer and Gal Gadot are all in oh, it. Oh, yes. So I'm sold right there. So, totally. Yeah, I, I'm really excited about it. It's out in uh, 
October, I think, of 2020. So it's like it's a strange. year from now. It doesn't it seem like it should be sooner? It does. It they... feels like it. I, I wonder if it's Apparently, just because they're... Yeah. Uh, they, they, there was some hesitation on the green light on it, but it, the uh, biggest problem is just that Kenneth Branagh is so picky about things yeah, when he's making sure. stuff. Uh, the guy that wrote it is... Not four mustache, six mustache. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, he's the same guy that wrote uh, the screenplay for Logan and Blade Runner 2049. Mm. And he's, uh, yep. he developed for television the American Gods series as well. Oh, fantastic. So, yeah, so that's, that's a pretty good pedigree. I'll take it. I'll take it too. <laughs> and then we have, uh, we have one other category, right? Yes, yes. So our last category is top three kind of personal events slash things we did of the year. Right. Just okay. This is our chance to toot our own horn, I guess. <laughs> I see. All right. And uh, so you go. So my number three. Do I have a number three? <laughs> I know I did, but I don't remember what it was now. Oh, uh, the, my Stranger Things art book that yes. came out from Printed in Blood. It's a, another compilation, but this one's a fully authorized Netflix uh, art book compilation. And I'm really happy with my piece in it. It's a little different style than I work in normally. And I... I mean, I love Stranger Things. It was my number one pick for 2019. So it was super cool to have that come out along with the new series. And it's just another fun art book full of really cool stuff. Awesome, dude. Yeah. What's your number three? Uh, Let's see. So I guess, well, my, I mean, yeah. I mean, my, my big elephant in the room is, is the post-human role-playing game. Uh, I mean, it it encapsulates 20 years of my creative process, 10 years of development, five years of hard development, and like two years or two or three years of like homework every night yeah. to get it done. Yeah. And if, if I wasn't doing all of that international travel I did, 10 trips to Asia in three years, <laughs> I, I wouldn't have ever have gotten this done. But, yeah. you know, this, this project has gone from a, you know house rules role-playing game when i was a kid about superheroes to a you know collection of superheroes that i had designed and drew in comics all through my elementary school junior high and high school to uh character art and and uh, character designs that i did on the net which you <laughs> and several people would read and talk about to art books then back to role playing game based on your uh, <laughs> your uh, influence, and the fact that it has come full circle, that the project has ended where it started with it being a superhero role playing game, and that the game itself is the is the mechanism by which I can sell art books of storytelling narrative, right? Just character books, yeah, um, is super fun, and I really uh, appreciate that when I'm talking to customers at the shows about it and say look here's the rule book it's the mechanism that allows these source books to happen you don't need the book for the source books and you don't need the source books for the book and mm -hmm. some people want to just look at the characters and some people want to just play the game and anything goes and 
through your help, I got to that point, but it captures the two things from my childhood that I love the most, which was role-playing and creating superheroes. And so yeah. in my mid-40s, I finally have that done. And the nice thing about that long production cycle is that I don't just have the game. I have the game and five source books all at once. Yeah, you have an obscene amount of content for it. I'm still going to push yeah. you to you need to do a Kickstarter for that just yeah. because you have it all done and ready to rock and roll. Yeah. And I just it deserves to see a broader audience than what we yeah. can reach with the way we do things. I, and, I will with your help for sure. I will. I will. Yeah, it's just an absolute blast. Once we get the magazine up and running a little better, that's going to be the next thing I do is hound you constantly about doing a Kickstarter. So, <laughs> and I'm down with that. I'm down with that. And there are other pro- there are some other stuff in the pipeline for Posthuman, but just as a bit in the big picture, uh, it cannot be overstated how big a deal it is in my personal life to have all that creative process and that labor of love over so long finally manifested in something that I feel uh, confident sharing to people at shows and, and yeah. selling on Amazon and selling on Amazon and knowing that strangers are buying it who don't get the pitch from me, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's just fucking amazing. I can't believe that happened. And so that in and of itself is the big, the big thing for me in 2019. Yeah. It's so cool. I just think it's such a great thing to see that giant pile of books and the, the just the sheer amount of work you put into those just blows me away and you're still tinkering at it nonstop. <laughs> <laughs> yes well you know i mean yeah like tweaking a couple little final things about the first edition of the of the rules that i wanted to tweak but yeah i mean it's it's largely done i mean it's but also it's and it leads into some of my other things uh in this list but uh, finishing it mm-hmm. uh, freed me up in my schedule. Like this has been yeah. my homework. I did. All, I mean, a lot of my art prints were previous work that I had and, but a lot of my art prints are stuff that I've done over, you know, over these last several years on a weekly basis. And I still have done those things, but by and large, big picture, it's all been this post-human stuff all the time. Yeah. Always homework. I haven't watched movies at home or read books, physical books, or just like, sat around doing nothing because I always had this pressure in the back of my head that I had my day right. job and then I had my night job and my night job was to do more post-human. <laughs> and so finishing it has opened me up to having the free time to read books, watch things, draw random things that I want to draw, do other stuff. And that's a blessing in itself, right? Yeah. I didn't, it's not like I like birthed the baby that was very painful and it's over. Do you know what I mean? It was a, it was a wonderful <laughs> thing. But it's also really cool that I now have some time to do other stuff, too. So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? What's your next one? Uh, My next one's probably just uh, rediscovering and really, like, forming a game group and starting to play board games and RPGs again. Like, it's been super fun. We've had struggles getting it together constantly because I'm on the road so much. And like I'm playing, we, we finally rolled up characters for just our first like introductory RPG and we haven't even played it yet just because I'm playing with my wife and my brother and a couple of other guys that live here locally that have never done RPGs before or have like Ben and I haven't I think, played an that, RPG. I think that's the best. 
Yeah, yeah, it should be really fun. I'm super excited about it. It's been a blast. Like every Wednesday that we can, we get together and we play a board game. And sometimes it's silly crap we found at the thrift store. Sometimes it's this big elaborate Kickstarter game. And it's kind of neat finding a group that's got enough of that same sense of humor about it that they're willing to do that. Like they came over and I'm like, we're playing Hannah Montana Mall Madness that I bought for $2 from Goodwill. And they were all like, cool, let's play with Hellboy characters instead. And that's cool. Like, it's neat finding, doing something like that, that I feel like last year, I would have felt like I didn't have time to sit and relax in an evening like that. Right. And so it's kind of neat to be able to find a way to enjoy interacting with other people, because that isn't like ostensibly yes that's what i do for a living i do a lot of social media and i sell at cons but you don't get a chance to like sit down and talk to people and actually play a game right so it's been kind of cool having that available i guess i should say yeah i can see that um i i'm i'm envious of you for doing that i mean it's one of the things i miss is having a a game group that could uh get together and and play physically present on any mm-hmm. sort of regular interval and for as long as we were able to do that when we resume that uh after college uh and in and in that sense it was all uh people who had never played before so yeah it's something much of you described there's a certain freshness to role playing with people who don't role play it's totally different yeah um yeah and uh but i would <laughs> say mike mike and i talked a lot um during uh the show about how much uh, we want to get uh, a group together to play posthuman, even if it's yeah. uh, even if it's remote. Finding some mm-hmm. some re- some mechanism by which, whether it's we're using uh, you know the same system that we use here to podcast, but um, getting him and you and Blake and a few other people just just get get some characters going and just start tussling. Um, yeah, I think that would be super fun. You've oh, also it'd be a ch- blast. You've also challenged that it, it should be documented because those are good videos too, and I don't know. Yeah, but... we started our YouTube channel, and I think that kind of thing. I think we have the the type of old grognard personalities. It'd be super fun to have us play in a superhero game, and there's definitely options out there. I I know D and D Beyond is like the online way to play Dungeons and Dragons, and it's right. super nice. Like you can put maps up on the screen that everyone can see. You can track movement on it, but yeah. I think there is a non D and D branded one that exists that's similar to that. And I think we need to look into that because I think that would be super fun to play. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think it'd just be fun to do it. I just it's hard. I mean, we, we have enough trouble just trying to figure out how we can align schedules to podcasts. So I don't know. Right. But it's a, it's an ambition of mine for 2020 is I would love to uh, get us to be able to do this. One of the blessings of that system that I tell people it shows is that you can I always say you can learn the mechanics and make a character in 20 minutes. Well, mm. part of the value of this game is it can be as simple as make characters and fight or it can be build a campaign and do stuff. Well, yeah. That, lends itself well to uh intermittent periodic gaming right where we'd say here's the mission here's your characters go and we just start and uh one of the things i forgot to mention from uh wizard one of the big highlights for me was uh 
uh, thinking about the future in 2020 about what I want to do with my uh, my table setup and try to bring in people to start thinking about actually playing with the game system a little bit, making characters at at the at the booth, that sort of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Mike built a character at the show on Sunday, so he sat down. I made I cleared some space for him in front of the at the table, and he rolled up his character and uh, and kind of did it randomly. Right, we put it all together and we sort of uh, brainstormed it a little bit. And we landed on an absolutely fucking incredible concept for a character. So I cannot <laughs> wait nice. to play because I just cannot wait for you to figure out and understand what he's doing with this character. It was so great. We were just falling all over ourselves about how awesome it was. Um, nice. That's marketing for you. Marketing for you. <laughs> but, <laughs> with, with, this, with this system, you too can fall over. But uh, yeah, anyway, so yeah, we got to do it for sure. Cool. All right. Yeah. Well, my number my number two is uh, I was thinking about uh, just the last year in my uh, production, and I realized that it's it's digital process. Like mm-hmm. uh, you know, I've I I finally updated my uh, Cintiq, even though I rarely get to use it for its original intention. But I got the later version, newer version of the digital screen that changed my life. I've got an iPad that. I can do everything on and is so fluid and I can just sit on the couch and, or be in an airport or do whatever. And I can, I can draw and create what I want to create. And the other tools that I've become, that I've used with, uh, uh, you know, with the ability to create the books that I published and the -hmm. research that I do. And just thinking about how, as much as I, I love a hand drawn pen and paper. I just love that physical act of drawing, but I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for the production level, the the way at which I was able to use digital tools over the last year to really push this into overdrive because absolutely necessarily digital tools are how I finished my books, obviously. But also, also it was the ease. I didn't have to fight it. It was the ease in which I did a lot of the character art in the last, that final, just thinking about the last bits of art done for the books in 2019 right like i was able to i was doing them on ipads on airplanes and things right and like the last bit of writing and editing i was doing on a laptop in a hotel room it (laughs) it just astounds me thinking 20 years ago that this would ever have been possible so yeah totally i'm i'm super stoked i'm super stoked now that i get an art project or i get an idea and the first thing i do is grab the ipad sit down and just start sketching yeah um and I always did that with pencil and paper. It's not rocket science. But because mm-hmm. I could do it on the iPad and just do that, I capture it. It's instantly ready to go, and I can I can build off of it in a different way. And I just think that's great. Yeah, it's, a, it's kind of amazing how versatile it is. Yes. Okay. Until, until, uh, the, uh, until the power apocalypse, apocalypse happens in my neighborhood, <laughs> and we lose the power, and then I'm running that entire generator just to power my iPad. Yeah, you have four hours of freedom. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. What about all right? What's your next one? Uh, my biggest event of 2019 for me was finally putting out creature features. Creature it's, features, love it's it. It's been a little underwhelming overall. It's not like it's blown off the shelves and made it so I don't have to worry about money or anything like that. But the few people that I've talked to that have played it love it. And yeah. that's so gratifying. 
I've got a couple, uh, three different people to play regularly enough that they'll send me like pictures on Instagram or Facebook and of them like taking it to the bar and teaching it to new people and that kind of thing. And that's really, really cool. (laughs) That's awesome. I can't wait to get the finished uh, set and uh, teach my kids that game because I've only played the prototype, but I loved it. That's true. I, yeah, I need to send that to you. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'll get to you. I'll get it from you in January. That's I'll true. Go around, I'll that. go around to the front of the table and be a customer. That's awesome. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's, that's definitely my highlight. I mean, we worked on that thing for two years, and it was our first game. And hopefully, it'll be a, a slippery slope into more games and that kind of thing down the line here. But it was it was it was a dumb thing that we did where we decided to pack them in the VHS cases. That's ended up being a lot more hassle than we wanted to be, but we learned a lot from it. And in the long run, it's still a very fun game in a goofy VHS case. So I love it. I still think that's a great idea. Well, yeah, me too. <laughs> my third is related to your third. <laughs> so uh, post human and digital tools both mm-hmm. posthuman ending and digital tools being what they are combined uh, and your influence have led me to be in a place at the latter half of this year where I could have more variety in what I'm doing creatively. So nice. my third item is variety in my creativity. Okay. Woo! And, and a no small part of that is your encouragement to make posthuman a game instead of just the art books. Plus you showing me the inside track on you developing the creature features game led me to starting to develop ideas for other games and getting mm-hmm. excited about the small press games market, indie games market. Nice. And I have now, right. Th- I have three or four game concepts that I'm fiddling with. Yeah. That, that combined with other projects that I have, like for example, the, the move towards five by sevens at the con table, for example, mm-hmm. and a few other things at the character sheets and stuff. I just love that. I'm, uh, you know, after so many years of having a singular vision, I love that I have the freedom now to try these different things. Uh, yeah. And uh, it's, you know, it's, it's all, it's all based on your inspiration, but it's funny. Your creature features is what really kicked me into gear going, huh? Card games. Maybe I, there is an interesting thing about card game. Maybe, maybe there's a card game that I, in my fucking side of the fence. And there you go. You know, it's Absolutely. like, it just, I don't know. It's exciting. And, the, and, and we talked about wanting to, um, make the linkage between posthuman and your uh, and and one of your other products, and I think uh, where we integrate and where we're able to integrate and, and connect the products together, I think is also a really mm-hmm. fun thing. But anyway, yeah, that's, yeah, variety, nice, excellent. That's yeah, that's kind of that's my goal with where I'm headed with 2020. Is like for the longest time now, I've struggled so much with finding my style, find, figuring out what it is I want to do at shows. And with, uh, we were starting up a magazine in January called Tabletops and Tentacles. And one of the main impetus behind it is that I miss writing. I spent too yeah. much time on social media and not writing new content. And doing something like this where it's literally going to be articles and art and role-playing adventures and interviews it lets me work in whatever style i feel like drawing in that day yeah that's great and i love the idea that it's just you know if i want to do some sketchy 
fun, quick drawing, I can. If I want to do some super elaborate, hyper detailed monster, totally do that too. And I'm really excited about that because like you said, like being able to just pull out the iPad and work in whatever style and different variety and type and be more flexible with stuff. It's, it can't possibly be a bad thing for us. No, no, (laughs) it's great. Well, and also I like the idea of, uh, the connective tissue. So for example, the way I slid into other products game side was, uh, you know, talking with you about how you can use other tools in your, uh, gaming for, so for example, hmm, going back, uh, when the iPhone was newer several years ago, I downloaded a couple of dice rolling apps, right? And they had some great little graphics. Some depending, they were either shitty or they had graphics. But it was like you did a thing. One of them, you shook the phone, right? One of them had right. uh, just just generated the numbers. One of them had graphics of the dice bouncing around. But I remember that it took me a long time to accept that as being something valid because I really just wanted to roll dice. I was like, well, I don't, I don't need a digital dice roller. I remember never being interested in that sort of thing. But recently, I've shifted gears in my brain, and I'm starting to think about how the nice thing about using different tools in the environment of a of a game that you weren't otherwise doing that is that it appeals to different people, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I like to roll the dice, like the old school thing in a game. Yeah. But there are people who love to take out their, their phone, and or the earliest one I remember was on a, a PDA, right? It was on an iPad. But it was right. the idea. They love to be able to just get that out and press a button and it rolls the dice for them that was yeah. their end that was their way in right and that that idea has completely changed how i see the connective tissue of these products so for example with posthuman that led me to realizing that i could make a deck of environments for combat right pull the card mm-hmm. that's your environment right the build yeah. the build the build a scenario deck right and then that led to the deck, the power, the character creation system through cards, right? Color-coded right. cards yeah. with powers on them and Sorry. things. I just started playing the music there. No, but like Wait. the idea that I could I could use cards to get to the same place that the book is doing, but it's through a, a medium that someone who enjoys with using their hands and playing with playing cards would enjoy more, right? Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. So I like that. I think that's great. Yeah, play with that tactile. Yeah variety aspect of it oh cool well Well, that was that was our end of 2019 at the beginning of 2019 for once yeah yeah really usually here we would be doing the end of 2019 in february (laughs) (laughs) we're so far ahead because this is like the one time we've recorded in like three months so (laughs) so do you do you uh talking about planning and strategy do you have any planned plundering you want to talk about that's your plan plundering. That's your se- oh, next boy. segment for you. Um, no. <laughs> I'm going to find some way of finishing Watchmen. Uh, I, whether that's actually paying for it or finding out if my brother still has a code. <laughs> but, um, oh, actually, yes. Yes, I do. And Expanse. I you got to put Expanse on that list. On. I, I do need to watch Expanse. That's actually been on my to-watch queue, and it's on Prime, so I can actually see it. Yeah. And, gosh, there's something coming out. Oh, The Witcher comes out December 20th, and it looks really interesting. I'm so not the target market for that project. Like, I didn't read I'm... the books, and it looks really 
awkward and like bad cosplay to me, but okay, everyone so that's that likes where, Witcher that's... loves that project, so... That's the stance I'm at with it as well. I've never played the game. I own The Witcher 3. I've never played it. I've never read the books. I think it looks pretty bad. But I've Henry read Cavill, five man. or six reviews right now that are saying that they make the fight scenes in The Witcher make Game of Thrones look like cosplay. Wow, great. So that alone has made me more interested in it than I was previously. My problem is that Henry Cavill, for better or worse, has been, you know, locked in. He has he a has. look now. He is Superman. Yeah. And 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 he's a failed Superman or whatever. He's a he's a he's a troubled <sighs> Superman and a troubled property, but he's a misused uh, Superman. He was I was able to accept him in Mission Impossible with the mustache and the I did his, like him in that, yeah. Yeah, cocking, shotgunning his arms and whatever. Like, I really, really liked him in that movie. But and, I liked him in he, Man from Uncle as well. Me too. And also, he uh, and he played a role. His in the early days, he had a role in a in a in a in a period uh, show on cable. I can't remember if it was. Uh, I don't remember what it was. It was one of those uh, you know sort of Elizabethan era shows. Okay. Oh, it was uh, Henry the or was it Henry the henry the eighth or whatever it was anyway one of those shows he was like oh you're right thin- the tutors i think the tutors yes one of those was. yes yeah. yes yeah. it was the tutors and he was thinner right but yeah the problem is he's still big and bulky like he was in superman mm-hmm. and so with the blonde wig and the sword and him riding around and scowling he just looks like henry cavill in cosplay as a fantasy guy <laughs> and it's really hard to get away from that so to me the biggest detriment they have is henry cavill like if that wasn't a recognizable that. actor. I think I would be. I think I, I would see a lot more promise in the project, but hopefully, maybe hopefully, I I would like for it to be good. We'll see. I I like you said. I'm not super high on the horse, but I'm looking forward to it. That's my plan. Plundering right now. I just I don't have a lot of other things on my plate because I've been absolutely head down working on this project the whole time. Yeah, and I just. That's the one thing that I'm like, oh, I bet I could watch that. I still need to watch the new Dark Crystal series, too, that's not anywhere near new anymore. So, (laughs) Yeah, they're about to remake it. Did you know that? (laughs) Yeah, really. What about you? you? uh, Similar to Witcher, though, uh, to me is the uh, His Dark Materials. Okay. I Mm, know. Yeah, that that, looks interesting, too. Well, I know I know that that's a project that the people who read it are obsessed about it. And mm-hmm. looking at it, having not read the books, you're coming into it cold and you're seeing the connections. They're seeing the, the imagery that's simi- similar to other things. <clears throat> but that's another example of where I think that project, if it didn't have any recognizable actors, I would be more mm-hmm. engaged. But you step yeah. right into it and it has n- name actors in it. And it's hard to get around that. Yes. You know I what agree. I mean? It feels yeah. stunty. It feels like those. Do you remember back in the day when the, the mainstream uh, net broadcast networks were all you had and so they would they would do this once a year they would do some big epic thing like it was a big epic fantasy fantasy mini series or some sort of event series and they would cast actors uh from the movies but actors from various tv shows in those series and it was like terrible do you remember what i'm talking yeah. about right 
Yeah, I know that's what you're what, talking about. Yeah. That's what His Dark Materials feels like to me. We tried to watch one episode. We got halfway in, and we both fell asleep. And that's not good for... I know it was a pilot, <laughs> but for a big... We, we insist it's the next Game of Thrones. It's not a good sign. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's another HBO thing, isn't it? So... Yeah. And I'm told so I, I probably to try. I've heard that I like I think another that's another one of those things where it wasn't something that was on our wheelhouse from a book standpoint. Yeah. And so it's harder for us to get into. I don't know, maybe not. I don't know. But it doesn't it doesn't seem to be doing much for me. Like I don't give a crap about oh look, they have a white weasel. Big big deal. <laughs> leading into it and i appreciate that after game of thrones it's really hard to do anything genre without comparisons unless you're watch unless you're watchmen in which case you make you forget that there was game of thrones as far as i'm concerned but yeah but with his dark materials when you start watching it just in the pilot i felt like i was seeing it stitched i felt like it was i was watching someone's concepting board that was made from tear sheets of other projects that they got stuck (laughs) together you know what I mean? Like that just yeah. it didn't feel like it had its own uh, style or imagery. It just felt like it was derivative of other things. Um, but again, again, I'm told just keep going and it'll be good. So that's what she said. <laughs> I know. Just keep going. It'll be worth it. Um, okay. So then mine are the last of the <laughs> Star Wars animated cartoons. Uh, of course. I'd love to. Do you have a few moments to talk about our Lord and Savior Star Wars? Uh, this this one's called uh, this one's called Star Wars Resistance, and this is the one that's set after. Uh, it's like set before the Force Awakens, right? Mm-hmm. And so Poe Dameron's in it, uh, but it's uh, its main thing is it's set on a on a like floating platform starbase on a like a base on a planet so it's like on a watery planet and it's like a big uh like oil derrick or like one of those big oil platforms you know what i'm talking about but it's like it's got starship hangers it's a port but it's on the water and so it's got that deep space nine problem that everything is happening on this fucking station <laughs> do you know what i mean like yeah it, it, that's that's a problem and the other problem is that uh the second problem is that it's definitely get, aiming younger it's very slapstick gotcha. and whimsical. And mm. the third problem is that they adopted that news, that newer style of animation uh, that is cell shaded, but it's dark. Like there's a, there's a shadow shading, but not really a mm. highlight, but it's still outlined. So okay. there have been some properties in Japan that have done this. There's a few properties out there, but it's incredibly jarring. Even as mm. the character models are very, uh, expressive and they're doing some really great things in the animation the choice to have everything have these sort of weird stark shadows in them on 3d modeling just it's really hard to get used to that all said that all said it's the last of the visual media in the star wars world that i haven't seen and i'm just still really digging on all things star wars so i'm like all right i'll watch it and (laughs) It does have in around in and around its whimsy. It has stuff that is, uh, you know, sinew that binds things together in the Star Wars universe. So it is canon and it does have some relevance. It's nowhere near as relevant and interesting as the previous two, 
a few shows you may or may not have heard me talk about called Clone Wars and Rebels. But uh, all the same, <laughs> I'm going to watch them and finish them. They're half-hour shows, okay. so it's like I finish another thing, and then I'll just put that on really quick and watch it before I go to sleep. So it's not too big a deal. And then uh, the second thing I have is uh, William Gibson's next book is coming out in January. It's called The Agency. And... I'm excited about it because of what it is and who it is, but also it's already been optioned as a, as a, either a show or a film. So that makes me optimistic because, uh, when I read Neil Stevenson's seven eaves, I immediately went to the internet and I was like, this sounds familiar. And I looked it up and, uh, I think it was Ron Howard and his partner had optioned and prepared to develop seven eaves as a film. And then they basically just, Hmm put it on hold in favor of something else. And I don't remember what it was. So there's all these like articles on the web about like, you know, producing new, new project in development, seven eaves, and then just dead stop. And it kills mm. me because I love based on like expanse, you know, I love the mm-hmm. idea of really cool, good live action interpret, you know, adaptations of, uh, of books that I've read. So anyway, agency looking forward to that. And then the last thing is, and it's a bit of a long, long way out but uh last week they confirmed that the boys is renewed for season two. Oh yeah the boys i that yeah. was on my honorable mentions for this year because man that series was better than i had any right to be it's amazing how much uh well hey listen let's let's just segue right into rum fuel recommendations because that's the first of mine <laughs> <laughs> i'm down so, with that yeah the boys uh is not so much the comic but the the, the show is really like the comic yeah yeah it was really it was just his voice and it was really Mm mean-spirited but uh the show is really close to the building blocks of posthuman isn't it yeah it is like as you think about it everything everything they do with the seven the whole marketing engine behind them and the building of the suits and the team of uh handlers and all that stuff is straight out of posthuman it's gotten to the point where it's so it's so blatantly so that when I'm showing people the book, I actually asked, have you seen the boys? Because, <laughs> you know, I mean, why waste our time, you know? Yeah, so, really. Yeah, I, I, I really liked it. I liked how it went. I liked how it ended. And uh, and I'm really interested in seeing what they do with the next season. I didn't see the preview for it, but uh, I'm excited. It's that... just a bunch of flashes from different, oh, and, yeah. like, there's not even any real scenes are almost just still photos but it right. it looks great i'm super excited about it excellent sweet uh so i also have uh another recommendation i mentioned earlier is the third season of the crown mm-hmm. so again this is talking about queen elizabeth but um it's interesting that they are uh going forward basically on decades and so the first two seasons were two decades of her rule and then mm-hmm. this season is the third decade of her rule, and they've changed actors, so they've aged. Yeah, I thought that was so... an interesting choice. Yeah, yeah, and there are a couple of standout actors who are stealing the season, uh, and uh, so the actor who's playing uh, Prince Philip was also in Game of Thrones. He was one of the uh, uh, it's the family that um, ah shit, it's too late now. Um, <laughs> Uh, it is remember the, yes remember remember remember, remember, remember the fam samwells oh the tarleys was it a tarley was he a tarley i think he was a tarley but anyway he's from game of thrones but he was oh also yeah from, from caesar yeah dick and tarley and then also he's from uh 
uh, I think, uh, Caesar, the Caesar show as well. But um, he's acting and he's just killing it. He is stealing it as Phillips. <laughs> Philip. At the same time, he's acting against Charles Vance. So nice. another another big, big player from Game of Thrones, which is really interesting. Yeah. Um, and then the guy that they've got playing the young uh, Prince Charles looks like one of those internet things where they take two actors and they blend them together. So he looks <laughs> like he's he's one half Adam Driver and one half uh, what's his name um, uh, uh, from The Office. What's his name from The Office? The uh, who's now playing Jack Ryan. Oh, yeah, Dave I don't Trevinsky, remember his name. Savinsky or something like that, whatever, that guy. Yeah, so John... Adam, John yeah. Travinsky. Yeah, so it's Adam Driver and that guy blended together, and it's really interesting. And so <laughs> those two have basically been owning this entire season. Uh, and it's another one where the soundtrack is just um, absolutely perfect and all minor key and really good and subtle and and uh, and, and and droning. And, and so I listen to the soundtrack in the car all the time. It's great. Nice. What about you? Uh, I mentioned it earlier as well. Uh, that Link's Awakening game on the Switch. Oh, yeah. I've been really surprised at how fun it was to sit down and play. Because it's they what they did was they overhauled the graphics to it. They changed a little bit of the like bugs that the original game had, but mm-hmm. other than that, it's still it's an old school '80s '90s top down button masher game and it's got some really fun puzzles and it's just it's kind of fun to sit and play kind of that retro video game because you can sit and play it for six or seven minutes and then walk away and that's one of the pluses of one of the overhauls they did is that you can save it anywhere as opposed to back in the day where you'd be like no i have to play for 25 minutes to find a safe spot kind of oh yeah for sure so that's it's been really fun to just like have something that I'm like, hey, I need like a ten minute break between projects here. I'll go play Zelda for a couple minutes and then get back to work. Yeah, right for sure. So, so that's been fun. Um, I also uh, I just finished a book and I can't remember what it was called and I don't have my Kindle down here, but it was a book. Oh, uh, Michael Connelly's The Night Fire. Um, he writes just kind of generic thriller mystery novels, but they're really readable. And that's, that's a big high one. praise for a novel. It's readable. It's readable. <laughs> he's a, he's a millionaire New York times bestselling author with a television show on Amazon. He can, he can take a few middle of the yeah. road recommendations. <laughs> what show does he have on Amazon? Bosch. Oh, okay. I was going to ask if it was Bosch. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, the main character in this book. Um, Okay. Yeah, he's just a detective. In the book, he's like 60-something. So Titus Welliver is a little younger and sexier than the Bosch in the book. But what's a surprise, Hollywood? (laughs) (laughs) Never sexier than as the man in black. Exactly. Yeah, that's my... Those are my recommendations this month. Excellent. Well, yes. I think that was a, I think that was a fine session of podcasting, something that Indeed. we could be proud of, something we can look back on. Look this is one to. for the ages, or at least for the month. For <laughs> this will be the second recording to be issued in December, 
of 2018. What? It will it will end yeah, cap that out, guys. It will be the end cap for the year for us. It will be our 65th episode as Robot Woo. Dracula. That's pretty. That's pretty great. Cool. I think it's a pretty big deal considering that we don't have the studio. We just go every week and just bang it out like so many other podcasts do. Given how yeah, hard really. it is to cat wrangle us in our schedules, <laughs> uh, it's pretty amazing that we've gotten 65 episodes in. It really is. Yeah. And yeah, if you count the episodes of uh, of your other show that we soft, soft launched with, that was almost mm-hmm. gets us to almost 70. But yeah, 65, man. Yeah. Yeah, man. We rock. Here's to... Here's to the next three in 2020, man. Yeah, and I, I need to give a shout-out to <laughs> Mr. Tom for keeping it alive, too, because I I really I love doing podcasts, but I just ran out of time and couldn't do it. And I know it's a struggle. I know how much work it is. And I appreciate it, man. You you keep the, the torch lit. Well, you know how much – I have all this free time now. I told you that. And uh, this is one of those things I get to do when I, I'm not doing post-human now. I get to fiddle the knobs and switches. Right. Yes. Yes, you do. All right. All right. <laughs> well. Uh, well. Listen. I. I wish you. I wish you well tonight. Slipping into uh, your your gentle, uh, stress free slumber, and I'm going to uh, go to bed and think about the fact that right now you are in a freezing house with snow all around you, and uh... <laughs> actually it was like rainy and 42 today. <laughs> ah, yes. I mean, it's still cold outside, no question, but uh, it, it uncovered all the dog shit and leaves that <laughs> yeah. used to be we're, snow. We're, <laughs> we're, we just, we've experienced the first six-hour block of no rain in, like, seven days. And so I was out there, like, you know, examining what that I hardened for rain that didn't survive. You know, like, which, which <laughs> containers were not as rainproof as I thought and, uh, you know sort of you know cleaned up the mess of things in pre- in preparation for the next barrage of it so we'll see anyway Crazy. all right okay well listen right on listeners thanks thanks, thanks again yes. for that and i will talk to you again in 2020 or yes, sooner thanks thanks for joining us in 2019 guys and if you're interested at all in the magazine i've got coming out oh yes uh go to tabletopsandtentacles.com and you can find out a little more about it it's going to be a mix of board games and convention talk and reviews and rpgs and comics uh we're going to try and get tom on there at some point so we're running a kickstarter from december 16th through january 9th for the first issue so that we can kind of unlock extra content and then each subsequent issue will be released via our patreon or at shows in physical form as well super amazing except for the fact that i'm supposed to be your first interviewee well you're gonna so, be well okay we just haven't at, interviewed you you yet. said at some point if you get me well, in meant, on like i meant at, at some point i was going to interview you before the issue, issue came out issue four is man your first interviewee uh <laughs> I, i'm super excited about this not least of which because your cover art is amazing but uh also Thank i you. just like old school magazines man that's gonna be great me too yeah i'm excited yeah. Uh, it's i think it'll be kind of fun We'll see. <laughs> right on. Coming coming to a con table and a Kickstarter and a Patreon near you. Yes. Anywhere I can shove it. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, you keep shoving that and I'm going to go to bed. It's all art. It's, uh, that's just a trash can. It's just a trash can. Yeah, yeah, yeah.